Good counter-attack now from Sassuolo is on the cards. Luca D'Andrea sprinting in the box. Floats this one at the far post. Oh, my! What a goal from Georgios Kiriakopoulos! Hello and welcome to Serie A Spotlight Season 2, Episode 11. We're your host Matt and Jake, back once again with the Renegade Master. <laughs> back once again to bring you all the details of Match Day 10 in Serie A. Lame. I know, Renegade Master is way cooler. Thank you. How are you, bro? I'm okay, man. Had a bit of a long one. Yourself? They're always long, man. They're always long. The traffic's bad. The weather is getting cold. It is. Um, I'm in my Fiorentina full tracksuit at the moment. Yeah. I like being disappointed, so I wear Fiorentina <laughs> merch. It's very cool to be honest, this tracksuit. It is. Um, but you. thankfully, now midweek we have football thanks to the Coppa Italia. We currently have um, Udinese Monza on in the background, and that's very, very entertaining to be honest so far. Exactly. We're just hoping for Monza to get tired out so that they'll be exhausted for the Berlusconi Derby <laughs> this this weekend. As you guys heard from the intro, our goal of the week was Georgios Kyriakopoulos' gorgeous far post volley into the top corner against Atalanta. Not an easy stage to get a goal, but what a goal he scored, man. What a goal, bro. And um, the build-up play leading towards the goal. So yeah. Swallow's team play was amazing there. You know, We always talk about their intricate play. This was a great example of it. And Kyriakopoulos' strike was the cherry on the cake. 100%. There were some honourable mentions as well. Yeah. Um, particularly there was Lautaro Martinez's goal against Salernitana that yeah. was really cool um, Barella's goal against Salernitana was amazing as that's well. true yeah. and there was Musa also Barrow. Musa Barrows yeah. but goalkeeper could have done much better than he did in that goal so maybe maybe we won't count that one yeah <laughs> say a uh, spotlight shits my brother yeah, we're, uh, we're back. back to losing yes we've back lost where we five belong um, Inter won We predicted that correctly Roma and Sampdoria Saw under four goals We predicted that correctly But unfortunately For us Udinese El Lazio Failed to produce A single goal It ended nil-nil yeah. And we bet That there would be Over one goal Yeah I mean These games normally When you put two Very attacking sides Against each other It's true They're normally low scoring Like mm. you put Napoli-Atalanta Against each other I remember I believe um, Two seasons ago was last I could remember that they came like 4-2 and mm. it was a crazy encounter. Normally these would be one nils, nil nils. Yeah, cagey, right? They're both being cautious of each other. Yes. However, I did kind of think, okay, if these guys are going to draw, it's going to be at least a 1-1. Hmm. Yeah, I, I thought it would be a 2-1, to be honest with you. 2-1 mm. going literally either way. Um, but then I, I kind of became optimistic and started to feel the pressure when Giro Mobile walked off. Exactly. In the 24th minute, and I was like, all right, this is yeah. cursed, this that, is done. That's exactly what that's, we needed, no? That's Lazio's, like 60% of Lazio's goals come through him. That's yeah. not an accurate stat, but uh, it probably is. Yeah, and, and we'll, we'll talk a bit about his injury because um, apparently he's out till 2023 and Lazio have got a couple of tough fixtures till then, so we could see their season taking a bit of a drastic turn over there. Um, guys, don't forget to give us a follow on TikTok and Instagram and Twitter as well at Seria Spotlight to stay up to date with our snips, our slips, our nips. Everything. Our lips. <laughs> Every single thing that ends with ips. Yeah. You'll be keeping an eye on it. 
the Grand Gala del Calcio Awards 2022 was they, an event that happened. It sounds so lame, eh? It like, sounds it's lame. like when you put so many bombastic words in one phrase, it's just overkill. Yeah. Exactly. And the Grand Gala del Calcio Awards, <laughs> super lame, but not as lame as what Vlaovic was wearing. <laughs> he wore chemistry teacher. The like. type of suit that you wear when you have a really unexpected funeral. <laughs> Yes. That's, that's what you they put were. together your school trousers, your dad's yeah. blazer, like horrible, horrible. Guy. He was dressed horribly, honestly. Really bad. Drip. He's a he's a tall guy with good hair. He could do much better than that, man. Yeah, but I mean, much look better. around him. Everyone looks yeah. amazing. Look at Leao, man. Yeah. There's two trophies, baby. Let's get into the awards, basically. Best player, yeah. of course, Rafael Leao won that one. I think that's fair enough, of course. Um, yeah. Milan won the league, so it had to be one of their players. That's the way these things typically go. And Leo was the standout mm-hmm. performer. 14th best player in the world, according to there the Ballon go. d'Or Award. Mm-hmm. Best goalkeeper, Mike Manian, the 24th best player in the world, according to the to the Ballon d'Or Awards. Who would have thought? Yeah. Best team, Milan, best coach, Pioli. This is kind of, these are obvious awards. No, it's like I'd be so frustrated if I got out of bed to go. I imagine I was like, I don't know, man. Um, Screenyard. and I went to this event. Yeah. <laughs> it's so frustrating. Like. Yeah, every, everyone Milan. Mm-hmm. Like. Now listen to this, bro. Best referee, Daniele Orzato. I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I don't pay attention too much to who's officiating the games, their track record. All I know is that there's a slight agenda against Orzato. Um, because he is literally a Juventino. Um, <laughs> yeah, that and was leaked, been, unfortunately, yeah. for him. Um, however, this season I have been noticing more and more Orzato's capability of letting the game flow. Yeah, that's true. That's true. He, he does let it flow a little bit more than he used to. Yeah, so I'll give him I'll give him that. Well done to Orzato. Best young player in Serie B was uh, Federico Gatti, who was with Frosinone and then snatched up by Juve. He went from Serie C to Serie B to Serie A in three seasons. Yeah, that's a 10 Crazy. million move to Juve. So essentially, he has to be at least as good as Gvarat Skelia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that, that's, that's a good one, actually. Best Thanks. goals, um, Theo Hernandez. We course, were there, We saw that with our very eyes. I was screaming, Passa la palla! <laughs> but, but, but yeah, was, fortunately, he didn't. Yeah, I was getting ready to take my shirt off and to rip your mm. shoulder to shreds. Um, best women's player is Lisa Boatin, and the best goal by a female was Martina Rosucci. Now, Serie A top 11 Manian, Di Lorenzo, Tomori, Bremer, Theo Hernandez. Do you agree with the back line? Yeah, there's no, there's no complaints. It's a little bit odd to see Di Lorenzo on the right back spot because obviously, unremarkable um, is the word I would used to describe his season however and then i couldn't think of a safer choice you know that calabria had a few dips in form here and there um and then otherwise you know you're not gonna have dumfries there you're not gonna have quadrado there um so yeah i'll 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 take di lorenzo as well yeah i guess so um to be honest the others after last season no debate yeah um milinkovic savic brozovic and barella in midfield i agree with savic i agree with brozovic barella is a fair shout i think uh, maybe Tonali or Pasalic. Like I think, I think you look at the numbers, and Barella has to be there. Now, one thing that mm-hmm. isn't being pointed out about his numbers is that he literally had around nine assists after the opening fifteen games. Um, so the bulk of his numbers were in the first quarter of the season. Mm-hmm. So 
He did have moments where he wasn't that present in games. He often looked very frustrated in himself. Barella, there's no denying the guy's talent. He probably does deserve to be there. But I don't think you can have uh, best 11 in Serie A without having Tonali in it. Well, that sounds obviously a little bit biased because of the Milan <laughs> agenda. But the guy literally scored in the final minute against Lazio in what essentially went down to win Milan the league. And he was yeah. there making those blocks making those tackles, making those assists, making those goals consistently for Milan yeah. throughout the season. And there weren't any dips. And then you I think the to... start was slow, um, mm. as opposed to Barella, who was pretty much um, present throughout and consistent throughout. Tonali had a bit of a, a poor start, and I guess that's what uh, gives Barella the edge at the end mm. of the day. I don't really have any complaints with this, to be honest. No, no complaints. It's, it's, to be honest, I, I can't argue with Barella being there, but I... Can argue about Tonali not being there. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Leao, Immobile, and Vlaovic up front. This is a 4-3-3 with Vlaovic on the wing. The, yeah. the Gran Gala <laughs> del Calcio Awards, ladies and gentlemen. Now, if this were a team set up to win the Champions League, to win Serie A, like, what the fuck are you doing? Um, because, essentially, Berardi should be there. His numbers yeah, were crazy. Bra- it's... Crazy how Berardi is in there, in my opinion. But then again, I, I, oh, what a goal! I agree with you. Monza just scored a flyer. Mm. Was that? That was a deflection, that, though. Was it? Yeah. Okay. Um, like Berardi should be there because he carried Sassuolo because of his numbers. He has the most impressive goal to assist ratio I saw last season. Um, mm. that being said, you can't not have him mobile because he's the top scorer. Vlaovic at his breakout season, he was ridiculous at Fiorentina and he was the second top scorer. And then Leao was the MVP, so he literally has to be there. Mm. My shout would be, instead of Vlaovic, maybe um, uh, maybe Berardi, because in the second half of the season after he joined Juve, sure, he had a good start, but then he dipped. Yeah, there was a bit of a dip. So maybe that, but again, I can't complain it's just some food for thought which i'm sure they (laughs) took into consideration (laughs) yeah the grand gala del calcio awards 2022 very entertaining thank you very much for happening now shall we get into our 10 games don't mind if i diddly do so in this episode we're gonna be covering napoli 3 bologna 2 motta's men looking perhaps a little bit better than they had before atalanta 2 sassuolo 1 that beautiful goal by kiriakopoulos at the far corner Verona 1, Milan 2, perhaps tighter than we expected. We also saw two own goals taking place in that match, so it was a little bit clutch. Lazio nil, Udinese nil. Thank you very much for fucking our bets, guys. But one of the more impressive nil-nil draws that you'll see. Torino nil, Juve 1 in the Derby della Mole. Roma 1, Sampdoria nil. A true classic result there for Roma. Inter 2, Salernitana 0, couple good goals there by Inter, Lecce 1, Fiorentina 1, at this point a great result for Fiorentina, Empoli <laughs> 1, Monza 0, Empoli ending Monza's win streak in a relegation 6-pointer, Spezia 2, Cremonese 2, has to take the cake as the most entertaining game that we saw this match day, another relegation 6-pointer. Thoughts on this week, bro? Last all, week, rather. <laughs> all round, bro. Very entertaining um, week of football. Like, organizing which games to go through first. Yeah. Like, in, the, the pecking order was a real task, man. Yeah. Like, I don't think we've ever put Inter so 
so low. Yeah, they're one, two, three, four, five, six. There's seventh game that we're covering. Because we try to go according to the table. So Napoli, Bologna's first because Napoli are currently first. Atalanta, yeah. Sassuolo, second, of course, because Atalanta are high up. Milan are high up, so they're third. Then there's Lazio, Odinese because they're both quite high up. Then it's between Roma, Juve and Inter. So yeah. Juve's had the, the derby. Yeah. So we'll put that higher up. Exactly. So yeah, it was just entertaining all around. A bunch of great games. And by the time we got to the bottom, it was like, Two amazing relegation six-pointers. Yeah, this was probably, so I, just some, you know, behind the scenes for you guys. Prep takes a lot. Um, it takes a lot of time. We occasionally prepare for two days before the podcast, yeah. watching highlights, taking notes, uh, analytics, so on and so forth, articles. Um, and normally, it's always fun, obviously, consuming as much culture as you can. But there does come a point where you're on the last match that you're covering and you're like, Ugh, can I just finish? Like, let me just relax. <laughs> I had none of that last yeah. week. I was Same. enjoying preparation throughout. I loved watching all the goals. I loved watching all the highlights, reading about the games. So many interesting things happening behind the scenes. I think we should just get into it, man, because there's so much we have to say. Let's go. Napoli 3, Bologna 2. Now, prior to this, Napoli had won each of their previous four Serie A matches against Bologna, and they even kept three clean sheets in the process and I believe those matches were all against Mihailovic this time Motta was at the helm for Bologna mm-hmm. and they actually managed to score two away to Napoli who are one of the best teams in Europe right now for a fact um, and Napoli's previous nine matches at home against Bologna and Serie A before this of course there were seven wins for Napoli and only two for Bologna mm. there hasn't been a draw between these two teams since a 1-1 draw on January the 16th, 2012. Oof. Yeah, uh, Aqua Fresca and Cavani scored Oh that, my yeah. God. Yeah, very nice. Good memories. A couple of good Cavani throwbacks recently. I'm enjoying them. Yeah, I love Cavani. Napoli lined up with Meret in goal, Mario Rui on the left, Juan Jesus and Min Jae Kim as the centre-back duo, and Di Lorenzo on the right. Zielinski, Lobotka and Indombele were in the midfield Gvaratskelia was on the left, Politan on the right and Raspadori up front while Ozyman makes his comeback slowly, slowly Yeah. Skorupski was in goal for Bologna Posh on the right and Cambiasso on the left Of course we have um, Thiago Motta over here changing up that back line yeah. constantly We've got Bonifazi and Lukumi at the back Ferguson, Medel and Dominguez in the middle Arbusher and Barrow out wide with Zerkzy up front just when you thought you couldn't put a finger on this Bologna team and on their starting lineup things just keep on changing so consistently yeah Posh Ferguson what's this hey Zergzy starting the crown (laughs) (laughs) super so the game started off and in Napoli's last game I remember covering it I started off by saying that um, a marauding run by Rahmani saw him smacking the crossbar yeah. This time it was Mario Rui who hit the crossbar from the get-go Okay <laughs> Yeah, crazy They always start so aggressively mm-hmm. It took to the 41st minute for us to see the first goal It was by Joshua Zergzi. It was a nice through ball by Dominguez who seems to be having his breakout season this, mm-hmm. year, this year to Cambiasso who squared it to Zergzi. This was his first goal for Bologna in his first start. Ooh, okay. okay. Yeah. And Cambiasso had actually two assists this, this match. Yeah. He played an amazing game. He's currently owned by Juventus on mm-hmm. loan. Also, Bologna. a point about Zergzi is Jake and I watched him last season 
and we're like, okay, didn't really see much of the ball, but man flows. Yeah, man the flows. man has good movement of the ball. He does. Um, so, so keep an eye on Zegzi next time round. It was in the 45th minute that um, Napoli managed to equalize Politano with a corner kick. Uh, it fell to, to Gary Medel, who fumbled it, and it came to Juan Jesus, who scored. He was only yeah. starting because Rahmani was out. And what a game for him, to be mm-hmm. honest. In the second half, Gvaratskelia went on one of his marauding runs out wide. He fired it into the keeper, who saved it into the path of Lozano, who had just entered the fray and tapped it home. Three and a half minutes was the time he was on the pitch for before scoring this goal. Yeah, there was that unfortunate slip for Skorupski there yeah. as well. Very unfortunate. I always think of you now, bro, whenever Skorupski <laughs> plays or does anything, to be honest. Um, two minutes later, there was a long-range shot by Musa Barrow. Obviously, um, let's be real, he never actually does anything. Else. He just shoots from anywhere he is. The man's been gassed yeah. since the African Cup of Nations. Like, Yeah, that, that's stop. how he plays with Gambia. They yeah. just give him the ball and he shoots. Yeah. Um, this time, it rocketed into the bottom corner. Mered got a, shot, got a touch on it, but to be honest, he should have done much better. Yeah, it was an awful touch yeah. that he got to it, man. Really didn't put his body behind the ball. He went over the ball, which is... Yeah, not very good for a young up-and-coming goalkeeper. It was in the 69th minute that Napoli managed to find a winner thanks to a lovely through ball by Gvaratskelia, the man who does it all, um, to Victor Ozyman, who slotted it home. Now, Victor Ozyman, bro, back from injury. He scored Mm -hmm. in the Champions League, scored in his Serie A return. He's finding his form again. Mm -hmm. Three very dangerous strikers up front Napoli at the moment. Yeah, I can't believe... That there are certain people saying, oh, he's got, he's going to need to fight for his place again. No, he's yeah, not. He's not. He's not. He's the, much Raspa- better yeah. physically than Raspadori yeah. and um, Madonna and Simeone. Simeone yeah. And Madonna Simeone <laughs> are two excellent strikers. They're two starting strikers. They, they both deserve to be in teams within the starting 11, like they were last season. But none of them compare mm. to Ozyman. Ozyman is top two in the league. And top something in the world. I don't want to make an audacious claim, but he's top 10 strikers in the world, does he, man? Yeah, top 10 strikers perhaps, in the world. Perhaps. I would say. You could easily make an argument for it. Yeah. This wasn't the last action of the game, of course, as this was only the 69th minute. Shortly after, Zielinski slapped the crossbar. Lozano missed a good chance. And at the end of the game, Bologna actually had a chance to equalize at the end, but Xerxes could not connect to a cross from a corner. Meret had come out terribly. Um, the ball went to the far post, but there was no one there to tap it in. That would have been 3-3, and what a game that would have been. Yeah, yeah, and it would have been cool to see, obviously Napoli drop points, but it would have been even cooler yeah. to see Thiago Motta starting to get some points at Bologna. Napoli, brother, um, they played the ball 555 times Oy. this game. They had 89 pass accuracy, and this was the highest, these were the highest passing stats of this match day. It's probably because Ndombele was slotted into that midfield, brother. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that must be it. <laughs> <laughs> well, he did have um, a total of 47 passes. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty pretty That's good, average. actually. It's I mean, average. Yeah. You know, How many si- did Lobotka have? 61 for Lobotka. There we go. And 44 for Zielinski. There we go. This was, bro, another assist for Mario Rui. Yeah, what a season he's having! I can't remember the last one like this he's had. Well, last season he had a very good season as well, huh, Mario. Rui? But not when it comes to goal contributions. Not this much. Uh, not this many. 
as an as I need to check the stat, but last season we really started to see him like we started towards making, the end, right? Uh-huh, towards the end, where oh. we started saying like, "Look, the man's got a sweet left foot," like, <laughs> and he really does. Mario Rui. Yeah, let's see. Let's see his contributions last season, if we can. Yes, sir. So last season he yeah, had 2021, yeah, six assists. Six assists. That's very good, man. This year he's already on four. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy. In uh, nine games, he got six in thirty-four games last season. You in, also in three thousand minutes in seven hundred and fifty-two minutes, he's got four this season. Spalletti is very good at training his his players to be effective from dead ball situations um we know that on the left hand side of the pitch mario rui being a left-footed player he is preferred due to the out swinging corners the out swinging crosses so on so forth mm-hmm. and probably the movement of certain strikers and certain players has improved on their spalletti mm-hmm. um so that could be part and parcel with why he's getting so many more assists very good point thank you um, so we mentioned those men coming back. Lozano, bro, is another player I wanted to highlight. Mm. Lozano is the type of player nowadays who you bring him off the bench and he's always going to take minimum two shots. Yeah. He's been one of the best super subs in the league at the moment, in mm-hmm. my opinion. What do you think? He, he's, he's, incredibly, he's an incredibly active player on and off the ball. He's very, very direct. I think when you look at the difference between him and Politano, because the point I was originally going to make is that who do you start? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Politano, Lozano, they're very different players. It's like you're talking about Messias and Salamakers for Milan. <laughs> but the difference is that Politano is um he's the kind of guy who who would link up with play and create chances perhaps more effectively than Lozano. But Lozano would move off the ball like Ozyman. He'd get into yeah, space and get in behind the Lozano to get into the final mm-hmm. third, like and you bring him on towards the end of a game, like 75th minute when everyone's tired. You have some poor fucking left wing back yeah. who's been running up and down someone like Cambiaso yeah. <laughs> who got two assists during the game. He's busting his ass. <laughs> and you, you take out Palitano and you bring on Lozano. Fuck that, man. Yeah, imagine, that. imagine running for 70 minutes and they bring on Lozano. Yeah, it, it, Lozano would, would probably slot into most teams, man, that right-wing position. Honestly, in Serie yeah, yeah, in that's, Serie that's totally true right now. Let's shift the focus a little bit to Bologna over here, who mm-hmm. are good. Yeah. Motta's approach was commendable this game. Yeah. Um, Cambiazzo was inspired, of course, and they just looked more fluid than they have in recent times. Much more fluid. Um... A listener of ours, Luca Albertini, uh, not Albertini, Alberani, sorry, Alberani. excuse me. Yes, Luca Alberani. He's Alberani. as good looking as Albertini, though, hey, yeah. Luca? <laughs> <laughs> with, the, with the chain as well, that's a, that's a cool guy. Goddamn right, cool guy. Um, he, he sent us a few voice notes about um, how Bologna are doing at the moment, about the situation with Motta, and we thought it would be quite insightful for you guys to hear them too, and to get our reaction to them as well as we go along. Exactly. Shall we? Yep. Yo guys, what's up? So firstly, congrats for your page or podcast because you are talking about Serie A in a nice way and uh, you're bringing nice contents and I think Serie A doesn't get a lot of attention outside of Italy uh, but it should get more attention and the small attention that it gets usually it's by bad content but you know what you're talking about and i think you're on point on everything you say hey. uh, so this first audio was 
for congratulations. Second one, I'm going to speak a bit about Bologna. I yeah, love so you. I love you. We played the first one to flex a little bit. Yeah. Thank you, Luca. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and for what it regards the actual Bologna FC situation, I think the season started like in a very bad way. Uh, after a few, few games, all the stadium, all the supporters, we all, always, uh, like, uh, since the beginning, felt this bad mood going around. And uh, Mihailovic, our last uh, coach, was uh, sent out in a very bad timing, let's say, because uh, as a Bologna supporter, we knew that, uh, unfortunately, for what he passed, he couldn't, uh, like, uh, do his job but 100%. So it was a decision you needed to take, but you needed to take him out before the starting of the season and not after like five games as they did. Mm -hmm. And so they had to find a new coach with Thiago Motta. And since he arrived, uh, he only made poor decisions. (laughs) 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 Literally what we've been saying. Literally. literally. Um, Mihailovic, again, they they should have sacked him at the beginning of the season. Let's be that's where it was heading. I know they gave him a chance, but like last season was the chance. Um, was the like the season that they owed him because he stuck by yeah. them when he was unwell. They didn't actually owe him anything this year. Um, yeah, it it would have been better for them to sack him in preseason. Yeah, for sure, and and, and I think Sinisa would have agreed with them. Um, it, I find it weird how long they hung on now i'm not gonna sit here and act like teams shouldn't be applauded for taking a, a humanitarian approach and for being loyal and, mm. and, and good people however for the benefit of the team i think giving them a preseason under new management especially when they knew what sinisa's situation is and how his how poor his health is unfortunately it would have done the team much better to give them a full preseason under this new system because yeah. now suddenly these 11 players these 11 individuals of Bologna need to adapt to a Thiago Motta system of all systems a Thiago Motta system a very modern and a very different system true true um, only know you love him when you let him go bro facts since the first game against um, Empoli of his career in Bologna uh, we all felt that uh, he's not uh, uh, making us perform uh, well because he's changing a lot of player every game, changing mm. the position of where the players are playing, and it's putting a lot of confusion, I think, in all the players. Like, uh, he's changing up the defense, the four back. I think every game he changed them with Empoli, the first game with Juventus, now with Napoli, he changed them like. Uh, Every game he has changed the four backs and obviously you don't give consistency and uh, that's the first thing you want for for a back four. So I can't agree with him more over here. Unfortunately for Motta, he didn't have a preseason to um, figure out which players are his type of players, you know, so he's trying to figure everything out during league games right now, which isn't a great thing for the Bologna fans, especially who must have palpitations every time that lineup comes out. Exactly. Gary Medell on the bench, Gary Medell in defense, <laughs> Gary Medell in midfield. Like what? <laughs> posh playing. Who the hell is Posh? <laughs> you know, Lukumi. Who? <laughs> Ferguson. Think, I think Bologna fans are going to need to be patient with this i get the frustration 100 percent, but i think like you said and you said well they didn't have a preseason under motta so motta's figuring it out 
Um, so I think right now Bologna's kind of goal shouldn't be fucking top 10 pushing Europe. Their goal mm. should be to survive. And I think if they focus on that and they look to grow under Motta, and then they could really hope for a better finish next year, potentially looking towards that top 10. I don't see I don't see a bright future for Bologna. Uh, uh, the only good thing was the last game against Napoli. I don't know if you guys saw it, but I think we had a pretty good game and we deserved uh, at least one point. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, playing in Napoli now that is the best um, football team as of now in the Serie A. It's obviously tough and. Uh, we didn't need to win those kind of games, but uh, we need to get back on track. And uh, in uh, in the air, we are feeling a lot of pressure. All the mm. Bologna supporter for the game that we have uh, this uh, this Sunday because we are playing at home against Lecce, and we already lost uh, too many points at home with small teams because we tied with Verona, we tied with uh, Salernitana, we lost with Empoli. And we really need to get back on track winning games. We need these three points. Luca, thank you very much for your voice notes, man. We really appreciate it. We're happy to have you um, on board, quite frankly. um, A Bologna fan, you know, that's great. That's not a common thing, to be honest, for English-speaking fans. Uh, Exactly. And we're obviously um, hardcores of the entire league. We we love every single team, Mm -hmm. (laughs) the the majority of, of, of the teams. So we're really looking to connect with people that have expertise on these niche teams like yeah. Bologna, like Verona, like Sampdoria, so on and so forth. So if you know anyone, bring them along as well. Yes, Thank please. you very much, brother. By the way, fantastic English. You yeah. complimented our podcast. We're going to compliment your knowledge and your English. Um, really good. And also, Jake and I were lucky enough to be in Bologna last year um, yeah. to watch a Sassuolo game with Luke Mintoff and David. Fantastic um, city. Fantastic, fantastic city. city really young, young and pure, yeah. man. Lots of, like, the nightlife is great. You go out, everyone's just hanging out in groups, you know, drinking. Everyone looks amazing. Mm. Sto- uh, story time. Story, story time. time. Quick go. one. So we we were, we'd be drinking, we'd be smoking, we'd be drinking, <laughs> we'd be smoking in the heart of Bologna. All the students in the world, because there's obviously Bologna University there. We're fucked up. We're drinking in public and we're smoking. Um, and these girls came up to us asking us for a lighter and obviously we gave them the lighter we're having a drink with them and they ask us so what are you guys doing here and we said we're here for the Sassuolo game and they're like oh my god you play for Sassuolo <laughs> and we're like yes <laughs> <laughs> so, so they went to summon all of their friends their friends came, came up all running like girls and guys <laughs> The girls were like looking at each other and looking at us. The guys look at us for like five seconds and go, no, you're not. No, you don't. <laughs> like, like, what are you doing? And then the girl just looked at me straight into my face, stuck her finger out in my face. Her middle finger was rubbing against my nose. She so goes, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. And she walked yeah, she, she took it really personally. She took it really bad, man. Yeah, that really was funny. Badly. That, that was, was fun. That the was fact good. that people thought for a second that we were professional football players is something that I'll forever smile about. That. <laughs> That's hilarious. Like, like my routine is nothing close to that nothing of a professional close. football player. Nothing close. 
But uh, anyway, um, I later on asked him about um, Mihailovic, no, not Mihailovic, sorry, about Bologna's chances of uh, survival and relegation, if there are any talks, any mm. whispers of relegation amongst Bologna fans. And he said, that, of course, they have started. He believes it's too early. But uh-huh. um, but yeah, there, there are whispers from some areas. Yeah, when you only get one win in 10 games, there are obviously those whispers. It starts to become a reality with every passing game. So they do need to act now. And it was a good sign, this game against Napoli. Hopefully they can grow from there. And to be honest, he mentioned all the changes being made. Yes, it's frustrating. Yes, it's confusing. It's fucked up. Um, but this version I liked against yes. Napoli. I liked this version of Bologna. Very good. So onwards and upwards, homies. Napoli are currently in first with 26 points, as Bologna are in 17th with 7 points. The next game we're going to be covering is Atalanta 2, Sassuolo 1. So Atalanta were coming off a 2-2 draw to Udinese, which saw them no longer tied on points with leaders Napoli, while Sassuolo were coming off a 2-1 home loss to Inter. Um, Atalanta coming into this game, well, no, actually, Atalanta have now won each of their last six area home matches against Sassuolo. But they had lost their last meeting against the Nero Verde at the Mape, 2-1 2-1 last April. That's when Sassuolo were riding high and Atalanta were riding low. So when it comes to the lineups, Atalanta missed Musso, Zappacosta, Toloi and Zapata, plus the suspended Hans Hatteber and obviously Palomino. Still, don't forget about Palomino. Um, they therefore lined up with their classic 3-4-1-2 formation with Sportiello on goals, Scalvini, Demiral and Ocoli forming the back line. Mele on one side, Soppi on the other, Soppi with the double assist. Um, Derun and Coop Miners in the middle with Pasalic ahead of them, Muriel and Lukman up front. When it comes to Sassuolo, they welcomed back Berardi and Traore to the bench after a lengthy layoff, um, but Mulder and Defrel were still sidelined and they also just lost summer signing Lauriente to a knee problem at the last minute. They therefore lined up with their 4-3-3 with Consigli in goal, Tolian, Erlich, Ferrari and Rogeria at the back. Fratesi, Lopez and Torsvet in the middle with D'Andrea, Kyriakopoulos and Pinamonti up front. So when it comes to the play-by-play, Sassuolo opened the scoring in the 41st minute with that gorgeous Kyriakopoulos volley at the far post. Um, uh, Muriel, by the way, Muriel's reaction said it all. He, he looked, okay, that was a fucking top yeah, goal. Like, yeah. That's something he would be proud of, which says a lot. It was a good cross by D'Andrea who replaced Berardi and um, uh, Madonna and Lauriente. So, yeah, the obviously... The 18-year-old. The 18-year-old. He'd be, he'd be fucking stoked with that. Yeah. In the 46th minute, now the 46th minute at the end of the first half, right? So just five minutes later, there was a low and hard cross by Coop Miners that was pared away by Consigli. And while he was grounded, Lukman squared the ball to Pasalic, who finished into an empty net. His first goal of the season for the Croatian. So they went into halftime. It's 1-1. Atalanta come out and they just, you know, get a goal straight off the bat in the 46th minute again. Pasalic broke down play in Sassuolo's area. Found Soppi in a dangerous area who played Lukman through with a perfectly weighted pass. Lukman fainted past Ehrlich and finished into the top corner for his fourth goal of the season. That, my friend, was a contender as well. Yes, that was a steezy goal. That was a fucking... Super finish and, mm. and just he still had so much to do. And the fact that that's his fourth goal of the season for Lukman, who was such a flop in the Prem, um, is obviously a, a good sign for him and his career. 
There was also later on in the game a super tira gira from distance by Berardi that rattled the yeah, woodwork. Oof. Sassuolo stayed in it, man. Sassuolo stayed in this game. Obviously, Atalanta nowadays, they let the team have the ball mm-hmm. quite a bit. They had their opposition had the ball quite a bit. So that could be a reason why. But 11 attempts for Sassuolo. They didn't make it easy for Atalanta. Yeah, certainly not. They gave them one hell of a game, it has to be said. Yeah. Um, and to think that only 17,772 people were at this game. Ooh, you, okay. you would think that there'd be... For sure. There'd be more. But at the end of the day, this was in the... Atalanta Stadium But yes bro One hell of a game Good game Very entertaining A couple of points That I want to go through As I mentioned earlier Soppy had two assists During this game Now he only passed the ball 27 times With 22 being accurate And 5 Into a dangerous area So he is being utilised Pretty high up the field Man Soppy Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. At points he was uh, Finding space On the edge of the area As well Like for the the assist on the second goal, he was basically like just outside yeah. the box, symmetrical to the penalty spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's a very clever player. He sees the runs. He sees the runs a lot. And one thing I have to realize as well about these wingbacks is, bear in mind, a couple of seasons ago, Atalanta were literally known for their wingbacks and for their hardworking mm-hmm. wingbacks. There was a prime Hatteber and there was a prime Gossens as well back, back then. Um, it seems as though now their wingbacks are really conserving their energy. They're not going up and down and up and down and up and down. I think if we were to look at their distance covered, if we were to compare Mele's distance covered to Gorsens' distance covered yeah, last or, year. Or Hans Hatteberg, or Hans, is like yeah, prime, yeah. Or Hatteberg to Soppy. I guess one thing Gasprini knows how to do is how to utilize his players. And he's always had such a fantastic understanding of his team, man. Definitely, bro. He can transform any player as long as it isn't Jeremy Boga. <laughs> exactly. He's still trying to put a finger yeah. on, on that one. I don't want to get into too much detail about how Atalanta performed in this game because it was literally textbook what we've been talking about all season and I don't yeah. want to be that guy um, to, repeating, to, to repeat myself too much. Um, however, they are now unbeaten in their first 10 matches. It's an all-time best start for them. Do you think this is something special we could be seeing with Atalanta or is it a remake of what they did in 17, 18, 19, 20? So this is definitely different to what they did before because they're approaching it with uh, with their minds instead of with their passion, with their, with their brute force, you know what yeah. I mean? Um, Buffon actually came out recently and said that he thinks that Atalanta will win the league. Yep. Now they play once a week and if they keep this up, then they, they might be contenders. Mm, but look, when it comes to Buffon, I knew Serie B would be tough for him, but I didn't think it turned to drugs and alcohol so early. <laughs> <laughs> they have every chance they have every yeah. chance just do do we see them maintaining consistency for the remaining 28 fixtures it's tough to say from early on it looks like they're going to be able to avoid those extra injuries by working less mm-hmm. um their squad is still thick they still have a lot of quality over there so they have they have every opportunity to um I just think that a lot of teams are better than them. On paper, yes. A, a sure. lot of teams. I mean, I, I still think that Inter on their day could be better than Atalanta. I think there's a world this season where Inter will recover to a point where they're stronger than Atalanta. Mm-hmm. I think there's a world where obviously Milan will, and I think that Napoli are stronger than them as well. I think Atalanta are fourth mm-hmm. somewhere there. 
So yes, um, Atalanta man have um, have been flirting with this whole Scudetto thing for a while now. They have like been, like people have, have been giving them shots for a while. I myself had mm. said I think two seasons ago that they could win the league. They have what it takes. And when I said that they were had they were playing on three fronts: the Coppa Italia, the league, and the Champions League. Now that they only have one competition, now could be the time, man. Exactly. They're, they have a deep squad. The, the only problem that they might face is a, an injury crisis at the back in defense. That, that would fuck them because that's the area where they're probably not as deep as the, the rest. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And, and bear in mind, there's also the World Cup. Mm-hmm. So even if they do remain conservative and the, their players don't pick up many knocks in Serie just watch Pasalic get fucked up during, yeah. while representing Croatia um, or Mela with Denmark. Yes. You know, these are these are things that can happen. Um, moving on to Sassuolo. Um, when it comes to them, they still had a good game against Atalanta. I think few teams are capable to, of bringing it to Atalanta the way they did, finding that goal early on as well. Um, they were unfortunate because they got stunned with a late first half goal and an early second half goal. So there was literally that 46th minute curse to mm-hmm. them. Um, in the second goal and then the one that they conceded, obviously, they got exposed when trying to play the ball from the back. Yes. Um, yes. And Pasalic picked it up over there. That is an area where they had improved significantly on this season and it was such a shame to see them drop points because of that this season after they grew so much in that area. I know, and, and it's the, the clean sheets, bro, that you were um, that we, we have discussed, right? Mm-hmm. They, they had figured out how to build from the back, how to not lose the ball clumsily as they were doing before. The lapses of con- con- concentration at the back seemed to have decreased for a while. But at the end of the day, this is a team that out of 10 games has won three, drawn three and lost four. So yeah. they still have quite a bit of improving to do, especially if they want to even contend for that conference league spot at one point down the line. Right now, I think it's very difficult for them. Exactly, exactly. And, and you know, looking at those those stats, even coming into this game, they were on three wins, three draws, three losses, you know, and, and then you look at Atalanta's record, they were coming into this with six wins and three draws. You'd never think that even contest to get anything out of the game, but they were very offensive. It's just Atalanta, obviously, way more dangerous going forward. It's that quality they have over Sassuolo. Atalanta are in second on 24 points, just two points off of Napoli, while Sassuolo are in ninth on 12 points. The next game we're going to be discussing is Verona 1, Milan 2. Prior to this game, Milan had won five of their previous seven Serie A matches against Hellas Verona with two draws, um, including each of their previous three. So that's four in a row for Milan against Verona. Um, the Bentegodi is also the place where Milan have actually um, lost the league before in the past. Mm. And it's also the place where Sandro Tonali scored a birthday brace last season. Yeah, I remember that. You remember that? Uh, the birthday boy. That was a throwback. Huh? <laughs> By the way, guys, crazy scenes in the Coppa Italia. Monza are beating Udinese 3-2. This is a Wednesday night, and this is what we're blessed with. Late Petania. December, back in 63. Udinese just got the 2-1, by the way. Yeah. Monza just scored two in two minutes. Petania just scored. Oi! Oi! Sorry, I mean, Ronaldo El Fenomeno scored. <laughs> Look at that. That's a good. Check it out, guys. Ronaldo El Fenomeno, he was 36. That's how he's built. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so... 
Verona Milan. Um, before the start of the game, it was released that Doig, the Scottish fullback, was uh, injured. You for mean Verona. Doig? Doig, he suffered a knock and was therefore replaced by De Pauli. Um, let's get into the lineups. Montepo was in goal for Verona. Gunter, Magnani, and Hien at the back. De Pauli out on the left, Farone on the right, and Tamez and Veloso in the middle. Verdi and Hrustic playing behind Henri. Tatarzano in goal for Milan with Kalulu on the right, Gabi and Tomori as a centre-back duo with Theo Hernandez on the left, the double pivot of Tonali and Krunic. So Giroud up front with Adli behind them, flanked by Diaz and Leao. Now, um, this was meant to be Tatarzano's last game in goal. Yeah. Um, Manian was back, but he has actually injured his other calf this time and will be out for, a, for another chunk of the, the season. I think he'll be out yeah. for another three games, I think. Something like that, still early, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I think there's still some tests that they need to run to tell us exactly how many match days will be. That's what I read. Yeah, but that's a shame. Um, Pioli actually spoke out against Tatarsanu's um, presence in the box. He said that we're out of quarantine now, Tatarsanu. You can actually leave your line. <laughs> and you <laughs> Did can, he say he that? Said, he said that. He said that. And Tomori straight up said that Milan are better with uh, Manian in goal. So he's definitely lacking confidence right now, Tatarsanu, even though he hasn't actually experienced a Serie A loss since he's been with Milan. Now, yeah. let's get into the game. In the ninth minute... One of Rafael Leao's marauding runs saw the 14th best player in the world cross the ball into Miguel Veloso, who deflected it in and was extremely frustrated with himself. Yeah. In the 19th minute, pretty much the same thing happened on the other end of the pitch. It was Gunther's shot, which was deflected off of Gabia and into the back of the net. Um, Gunther makes up for the own goal he scored against Milan last season. Um, on his 100th game for Verona. This oh, was wow, his 100th okay. game for Verona, so okay. power to Gunter. But it's bullshit that that's not a Gabion goal. <laughs> but you know what? The thing it is, is since it was a shot on target, that's the rule. It was a goal. It was his goal. Yeah, it was going um, straight, in, uh, straight into Tata, though. Yeah, it, it does seem weird when it takes such a wicked deflection yeah. like that and it's it's given as a as a goal to the to the striker. Mm. Um, but, or defender in this case. Yeah. But um, yes, the, that's the difference, right? Imagine it was a brief deflection. Then where do you draw the line? It's a grey area. Exactly, exactly. Okay, there was a big miss by Giroud on a layout pass. It looked like it was going in. It looked like it was going to be another peak. Um, Olivier Giroud and Olivier Giroud classic over there but mm. it went just wide I thought it was going in yeah. personally yeah. Um, shortly after that Piccoli smashed a header into the crossbar <laughs> it was uh, quite, a, quite a good game to be mm-hmm. honest with you um, Verona really showed up for it and this was their first game without uh, Choffi yeah. you know this was uh, their first game with Milan Banterira legend Salvatore Bocchetti yeah. at the helm, who was still playing last season. Like, isn't that crazy how they went for him? Like, is he really the best? Did option? I know that he retired? No. I didn't even know. I didn't know, know that he retired. No, and then me. suddenly he's managing. managing yeah, he must have Verona. done his like UEFA license part time while playing. <laughs> Yeah, there was a great through ball in the 81st minute by Ante Rebic to Tonali, who directed it in. Tonali, bro, has become a little bit of a hero in these in these situations, hasn't he? He yeah. has this kind of uh, passion in him, this this desire, this hunger, this grinta, no? Yeah. This uh, winning mentality almost. Uh, he's built for the big stage for these moments. 
Yeah, he's a he's a big game player, and and I don't mean big game. It doesn't need to be in the derby. It doesn't need to be against Juve or Roma or Napoli. I mean, when the going gets tough, Tonali you can rely on someone like Tonali. I feel like Milan are very lucky to have him and and Ben Nasser, particularly in that double pivot. I believe they're two people you'd look out for when you're tight on possession. You know, you could give it to them when they're tight in possession, and they'll do something with it. Um, and then off the ball, their work ethic is ridiculous. The runs that they make, particularly Tonali, and the dirty work they do going back to win the ball back and turn defense into attack is great. A great balance. It doesn't need to be a Benasser and a Kessie. It doesn't need to be a ball player and a fucking tackler. You could have two people with great balance like Tonali and Benasser, and you're sorted. Yes, um, they are... Anti-press, no, those two, especially Benasser. Yeah. Now, um, in the 83rd minute, Rafael Leao was replaced by Malik Chow. Malik Chow is one of Milan's (laughs) Milan's signings of the summer, a young man who came on and had a fantastic game, quite frankly. He had two heroic blocks, one off the line and one that that could have easily gone in. Um, he was incredible this game. One of the heroes of the game for me. I'm fucking pumped about this guy, man. I'm fucking pumped about him. Those two blocks that he made were unbelievable. Unbelievable. The fact that the man reminds me of Virgil, as in. <laughs> here, here we go! <laughs> he seems like a, like a tall, strong defender that's got some pace on him. Um, he has a good slight tackle to him, clearly. He's very nimble, he's very mobile, and then he's very strong. He seems like he's he's got great balance to him as mm-hmm. a defender. And he's still very young, man. How old is he? He's 21 years yeah, old. He's 21 years yeah. old. 21, 21 years, years old. 21 years old from Germany. From Germany. I'd like to see more of him. He could potentially be a pick above Gabia if Pioli keeps on seeing what he's seeing in training. He's definitely one of those players that's been brought in that just has um, a better frame than the local boys produced in Milan. (laughs) Exactly. It's like if you're comparing at the end of the day Romagnoli to Tomori, for example. Or Cutrone to Leo. (laughs) (laughs) You remember how devastated we were. Losing, okay. losing a, a young guy that came up through the ranks for this unknown guy. What the hell? Yeah. It's true, bro. But uh, let's 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 get into the the feedback here. Yeah. Verona looked exciting, no wonder Bocchetti, bro. They looked much better than they have this season. Yes, yes, they looked they looked good. They looked dangerous. Do they tend to look dangerous against Milan? Yes, is the answer. They always seem to bring it. Against Milan. Yeah, and this was no different. Huh? Two, no. two own goals in the first 20 minutes, essentially. Yeah, so yeah it was crazy. It, 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 was a, it was a mess. <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was a mess of a match. Very exciting. So Origi got some minutes where he played 45 minutes and Adli had, had his first start for Milan. What did you make of these two guys? Um, so I'm still waiting on Adli. I'm, I'm patient. I have time. Um, I'm willing to wait on Adli. This is his first season, first full season rather at Milan. He's been loaned out and he was on loan at Bordeaux last season. We saw great glimpses of him in preseason. He's still a very young guy. This was a good time to utilize him. It was a good mm-hmm. time to utilize him, good time to give him. It's good that he's got a start to his name now that can build some confidence for him. It allowed Brahim to shift out wide. 
where he's simply been better. In mm-hmm. my opinion, he's been better on that right-hand side. Yes. So I liked Adli over there. He wasn't as involved as I would have liked. Um, but he had a decent performance. He, there were no fuckati. There were no fuck-ups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a clean, normal performance. In preseason, I saw that his forward passing, like his turn and then playing the ball to Giroud through or finding Leao or Diaz on the wings... Um, was very effective in preseason. It's not something I saw against Verona in this match, but I also understand that it's his first start, needs to grow into the league, so on and so forth. Origi had some more time, and we got to see some more of him, and we got to see a little bit more of that menace side to him, mm. where Milan were struggling to get a goal and they were a draw. And the man was shooting from distance, he was carrying the ball forward. I'm fine with that, but I would really like him to spot the passes more. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, it's kind of something you want at the end of the day in a striker to to want to score goals, to be hungry for goals. Mm-hmm. But you can't ignore your teammates who are open, quite no. frankly. And this isn't the first time he's done it. Um, it's quite frustrating to watch, but I genuinely believe that when Origi gets his first goal, he's going to keep scoring. I, I I'm a firm believer of that. Until now... I would rather see Rebic in that attacking role. Um, but I also understand that Origi mm-hmm. needs to get as many minutes as possible to, get to find that first goal. Yes. To find to find that goal. Once he gets that goal, rocket man. There we go, bro. Um, oddly, yes, I, I tend to agree with you. He had a normal game. Yeah. Um, I think he has a very high ceiling. He he has impressed me in preseason. He was amazing last season with Bordeaux. He was incredible, to be honest. Mm-hmm. He was their standout performer, in my opinion. So it's it's interesting to see him slotting in finally, and it's nice to see Pioli giving balance to these uh, youngsters and these new arrivals. For sure, man. For sure, I agree. And at the end of the day, I mean, look, obviously you look at the scoreline and you're like, okay, Milan would normally win a game like this under a larger margin. But when you consider the injuries that Milan have, when you consider the player, the, the rotation that happened in this match, when you consider that Milan were coming off a devastating double loss against Chelsea, um, and it's another victory for Milan. I mean, we always say that teams that win the league win the games where it doesn't look like they're going to win. And we're watching this game once the 80th minute came. Jake and I were like, right, okay, here we are. it's over, it's on, we're here in the 80th minute again. And then 81st, Mr. Reliable Sandro Tonali comes in and scores a goal. So, a lot of character by Milan. They had to show toughness. They were fucking playing against Verona, who are dogs. Dogs. Yeah. They haven't been great this season, but they just lost their manager. They have this new fucking young guy on board. They're like, we're fucking... They really wanted to impress Gonna them, go man. for their throats, man. Yeah. And they did. But Milan coped well, and they got the full three points. Yes, sir. Um, apparently, by the way, uh, Salvatore Bocchetti is from Scuola Gasperini, whatever the fuck that means. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I guess he follows his approach. Maybe he was uh, under his him. His protege. Yeah, maybe. I guess a so. protege. But very interesting. And what does that even mean nowadays? Is he conservative? <laughs> is, he, is he offensive? Like, <laughs> is he 90? He's, he's a genius. That's it, bro. Exactly. Salvatore Bocchetti is a genius. Exactly. Okay, so yes, um, good win by Milan um, during a time where it could be seen as a, a bit of a crisis. 5 yeah. nil on aggregate to Chelsea. There's a good way to bounce back against a team with a new coach. 100%. Milan are currently in third with 23 points, while Hellas Verona are in 18th with five points. 
The next game we're going to be covering is Lazio nil, Udinese nil. So this was a head-to-head for a third place between two teams in fine form. And the Bianco Celesti emerged with their fifth consecutive Serie A clean sheet. This time it was a nil-nil draw and not a 4-0 victory. So Lazio were coming off a hat-trick of 4-0 victories on the trot, most recently away to Fiorentina. They also drew nil-nil midweek at home against Stormgrads in a group of only five pointers. Yes. <laughs> Every single team is on five points. It's fucking, I've never seen anything like it. Um, Lazio also, just to suck their dicks a little bit more, <laughs> they won their last four Serie A matches with an aggregate score of 14-0. There we go. That's mad. And that includes this yes. match. Until we bet on them. <laughs> There we go. Fucking hell, man. They score four in every game. We place a bet that there will be over one goal in this game. They come nil-nil. It's Lazio Odinese, for fuck's sake. Yeah, exactly. I mean, fuck it. We adapt. We adapt. Odinese were coming off a 2-2 draw against Atalanta. Uh, Before that, they won six in a row. So For Lazio, it was their 4-3-3 formation. Um, Provedel in goal with Marisic, Romagnoli, Chazale and Lazzari at the back Vecino, Cataldi and Sergei in the midfield with Zaccani and Anderson flanking Immobile Sotil side lined up with a 3-5-2 with Silvestri in goal and the back line of Becao, Bijol and Newman Perez Who bagged two in this game by the way In the, against, Coppa, Italia. In the Coppa Italia against Monza um, But anyway Pereira out wide with Udoji on the other side, Makengo, Wallace and Samardzic in the midfield with Delafeu and Beto up front. So this was a nil-nil, but it doesn't mean that it didn't have much action going on. In the opening minutes, Samardzic thumped the crossbar. It was after 13 minutes with a ferocious strike. Um, Then another one of his shots was charged down on the counter by Chazale. Good reaction there by him. Um, moments later, there was a serious blow for Lazio when Immobile suddenly pulled up with a muscular strain and he limped off and he looked distraught. It has now come out that he's going to be out until 2023, so he's going to miss a whole list of important games for Lazio and it might be quite concerning for them. I'll get into that more soon. Moments later, Silvestri saved Anderson's one-on-one with his leg and then he denied a Sergei header after and then swinging cross by Anderson superbly too. Really, really good saves there by Silvestri, um, a man that has been super reliable for Udinese as of late. Moments later, uh, sorry, not moments later, in the second half, and then uh, Chazale fumbled a free header after an Alberto corner. This was a clear header for Chazale. Mm-hmm. Um, it was Alberto's first touch of the game from a <laughs> corner straight to Chazale. Chazale really should have done better. It was a a pussy attempt. I'm going <laughs> to say it go. the way it is. Toxic masculinity. Fucking pussy attempt. Um, and then later on in the match, around the 74th minute, Delafeu whacked the crossbar with a half volley from a tight angle. So it was a very, very um, entertaining nil-nil draw. They exist, funnily enough. Now, Udinese hit the post twice. Silvestri produced two solid saves. Was a draw a fair result at the end of the day. Look, a draw was fair. No, um, maybe, maybe you'd you think that Udinese had better chances. No, mm. um, but but I do think it was a fair result. I thought that Udinese tended their their attacks were more intense mm. on Lazio than Lazio's were intense on, yes. on Udinese. Um, Lazio tried to break on the counter many a time. In fact, 
Facts. Um, so yeah, I think a draw nil nil is a fair result. It, I, I agree. I believe it is a, a fair result. I think, like you said, Udinese has chances where. Um, but oh, I made a, I made a mistake. De La Fuse wasn't in the seventy fourth minute. It was in like the eighty sixth or something that he okay. that he hit the post. Um, that being said, I think Udinese had the better chances with them. Obviously, whacking the woodwork twice um, and getting a total of twelve shots away with two on goal. Um, however, in the second half, Lazio took a bit more of a dominant approach and they looked to control possession mm. more. And they did that, but Udinese were still capable of, of bursting and burst. They did, in, in that case, for example, yeah. when De La Faux hit the post. Um, so yeah, I think a, a draw is quite a fair result as well. Um, what as if we needed any further proof, bro, of Lazio's capability of keeping clean sheets. They are first in Serie A with six clean sheets. And they also have become the second team not to concede against Udinese this season. Hmm. You know who were first? Who? Salernitana. Oh, there we go. <laughs> wow. Salernitana and Lazio, the, the kings of the clean sheets. Nice. Who would have thought, right, that um, Silvestri and Sepe were the guys <laughs> to go for in fantasy football? <laughs> who would have fucking The one thought? credit goalkeeper. <laughs> but yeah. Um, Lazio did grow into this game, but I'm curious to see how they line up without Immobile. This might be a, time, a good opportunity for a country Larry, man. It, it might be. Um, it, it also, what worries me is that they don't have a direct replacement. No, for they, so they really don't. They're it could be Pedro. As a false nine. As a false nine. That's nice. However, it is a totally different system and then. Completely, yes. A totally different system. But Immobile system. does uh, come quite deep to collect the ball and help with the link That's up play. true. That's so I true. think Pedro and Pedro's a quality player, you know. No, he, he might is. be past it physically, but but um, he's definitely still got um, the the brains to do some damage. For sure, his close ball control is still some of the most impressive that I uh, that I've seen, man. Um, I followed him closely when he was at Barcelona, and Mamma Mia, the guy has just been he's been as good as he is now for a very very long time, Pedro. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's been at this level for a, for for longer than you can think. He was. A teen at Barca doing what he's doing. Hmm. Um, on the note of Immobile, the games that he's going to be missing, just to show how grievous situation. So firstly, it's 40 to 45 days that he'll be missing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he misses Atalanta, Mitiland, Salernitana, Feyenoord, Roma, Monza, Juve. So Juve, Difficult Atalanta, Roma. There. There's the Europa League. There's Atalanta, man. Wow. Okay, Roma, Juve, shit. Okay, they, they might be in trouble here, Lazio. Yep. Um, they're going to need to find a new, a different source for their for their goals. Um, Milinkovic-Savic's main man is no longer there, so we'll see what they can do. Yep. Now, Udinese. Let's move a bit to Udinese. Now, despite failing to score against Lazio's brilliant defensive system, Udinese still threatened significantly. They whacked the post twice. Um, this is a team who... Lazio are very intimidating to play against mm-hmm. at the moment. Mm-hmm. Few teams have gone up against them and gave them this much of a tough time, obviously with the exception of Napoli, who got the better of Lazio, but they really brought it to the Modenese. It's like they, they live fearlessly. They were in Rome playing this game and it looked like they were backed by 50,000 fans the way they were playing. What do you think? Nowadays, Udinese play with this confidence that they're a top side. Yeah, you see them the way they they are on the ball. It's just like let's get the ball forward. Come on, like let's let's do this. You know mm-hmm. they have this certain they have no hesitance, no hesitation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when it comes to attacking, and yes, it's it's very fun to see. 
they've had an insanely difficult fixture list at the start of the season. They've played the vast majority of the big teams. I have them. I have them right here. Please. They've now faced off against Lazio, Atalanta, Inter, Roma, Fiorentina, Milan, and Sassuolo, and they managed 14 points in the process out of a possible 18. If you had to ask Udinese fans at the beginning of the season if they take 10 points from those games, you'd have probably taken them. 14, seven, man. Seven, like, yeah, yeah. Seven. That's crazy good. Like, And now we'll see if they manage to actually overcome the smaller teams with the, with the low block. And, you know, that's when these types of teams typically slip up. We've seen Sassuolo, for example, in the past, capable of beating the teams in the top seven yeah. and then dropping points to the teams in, uh, at the other end of the table. Let's see what Udinese can do, if they can keep their heads on their shoulders and, um, you know, continue to replicate this form. Yeah. Bear in mind that Udinese's only loss was against the champions in the opening match of the season. Yes. Lazio, fifth place on 21 points, level on points with Udinese in sixth place, also on 21 points. The Derby della Mole, Torino nil, Juventus won. Juve have actually only lost one of their last 33 say, uh, matches against Torino, bro. Jesus. They've won 24 and they've drawn eight. Their last loss came in April 2015. There were goals from Matteo Darmian and Fabio Quagliarella for Torino and Andrea Pirlo for Juventus. What? That's, yeah, 2-1. That's a crazy one, no? Yes, Torino's last clean sheet against Juventus in Serie A was back in 2008 <laughs> um, when they were under Claudio Ranieri. Since then, the Bianconeri have scored 41 goals in 23 games in this fixture. Jesus Christ. Um, and this is kind of Juan Cuadrado's playground, bro, this game. He's been involved mm. in 11 goals against Torino in Serie A, three goals and eight assists. This is a record for him in the competition. Um, yeah, the... Against a direct opponent, only Kandreva and Cassano have a better record. Oh. Kandreva has 11 contributions against Fiorentina and Cassano has 9 against Udinese. Jesus. Okay. So let's get into this. Quadrado hates Torino. Yes. Torino lined up with their titan, Vanya Milinkovic-Savage, between the sticks. Ricardo Rodriguez at the back with Schurz and Gigi. Lazaro on the left, Aina on the right, with Linetti and Lukic in the middle, Vlasic up front, flanked by Radonjic and Miranchuk. Chesney was in goal for Juventus with Danilo, Bremer and Sandro at the back, Quadrado on the right, Kostic on the left, with Rabiot, Locatelli and Mikeni in the middle, with the striking partnership of Moiskin and Vlaovic. The game started out with Juventus leading the charge, um, Vlaovic had a one-on-one -on -one situation which was saved by Vanya Milinkovic-Savic. Um, the play was quite a long one, the sequence. Um, in fact, Vanya had three saves in a row, essentially. Um, not crazy difficult, the last two, but still he did, he did very well on them. If a he wasn't as big as he is, he might have struggled with a few of them. Yeah, maybe, but thankfully he is. He's massive. <laughs> I think he's the tallest player in the league. No, for, for sure, man, yeah. for sure. Um, there was another save by Vanya Milinkovic-Savic on a Locatelli long-range shot. It was a bounce shot from a distance. Great save by Vanya Milinkovic-Savic. And then after that, it was Torino's turn to attack where Chesney saw, Chesney made rather two great saves. Um, there was a fantastic opportunity for Moise Keane to mm. score a goal, but he missed it detrimentally. This might be, I think, Juve's worst performer at the moment, Moise Keane. He's been... He's For been, the past two seasons. Yeah, he's been terrible, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. 
Um, more good saves by Vanya Malinkovic Savage this time on a on a Vlaovic header. Uh, the goal came in the 74th minute. Uh, there was a corner by Quadrado, which was headed by Danilo into the path of Vlaovic, who slid and guided it into the back of the net. Um, and that essentially is what separated these two teams um, on this match day. Yeah. Quite frankly, in my opinion, bro, it was quite an even game. Mm. Um, I thought that the main difference between these teams is that Juve have Vlaovic and Torino barely have a striker. My my the point that I was gonna make is that Torino have the same problem that Juve did in the beginning of last season. The fact that they lost Ronaldo and Ronaldo wasn't replaced until Vlaovic joined in January. Now are Torino gonna coop someone in January that could give them a bit of a structure up front that could play with his back towards goal, that could play in the box, that could just have any traits of a target man, a goal scorer, because that's what they're lacking. At the end of the day, Torino are an Ivan Juric team. They are capable of playing the ball. They're capable of defending. We know that. We know that. But we also know that Serie A is known for its tight defences. Yes. In order to score against tight, against these tight defences, it's not enough to have Miranchuk and Radonjic feeding someone who isn't a natural goal scorer. I believe that Torino need that guy. I thought that Pellegri might be that guy. He might grow to be that guy. Yeah, he's too young though still. Yeah, it would make sense even if they get a Mattia Destro of sorts mm. that could sort them out for, yeah, for a season Anyone or two. at this point, anyone. Like imagine Arnautovic on Torino. Exactly, you know? exactly. They need, they need someone up front. It'll, it'll cement their system, I think. I totally agree with you, bro. Um, you know that this was Juve's second away goal of the season. No way. <laughs> yes. No way. Yes. Check it out. It's That's crazy. Mad. It's, this was their second away goal of the season. Um, another funny stat about Juve. Um, Kostic had <laughs> more, five more. key passes against Torino. The rest of the Juve team had six. Just <laughs> <laughs> goes to show, man. It just... There's no real system. There's no real plan. I mean... You could say, okay, the system is clearly give the ball to Kostic. <laughs> but yeah, I guess that's the system, give the ball to Kostic. Oh my God, so Juve's other only away goal this season was against Fiorentina. Yes, sir. And yes. now 1-1 draw. Another stat, bro, another funny one. Yes. For the final 40 minutes of the game, Juve played with one natural, natural sand... Oh my God, my vowels. Let's <laughs> one, try natural and one natural centre-back. <laughs> <laughs> for the final 40 minutes. No, for the final 40 minutes or so, Juve played with one natural centre-back in a three-man defence. And that was Bonucci when they brought him on, right? Yes. Well, even, bro, here, they, they, they started with, with Danilo and Sandro. Sandro. Yes. And it with turns Bremer. out, by the way, Bremer's injured. So that's a bummer for them. Huh? That's they, a massive bummer. They might have to Especially rely on Gotti. Since, I don't know when anyone was planning to say it, but I'm going to say it. I'm going to be the first one to come out and say it. Bonucci is a bit shit, man. Yes. <laughs> he's not quite the same with um, without Kellini. That, and, and he's also maybe age, so on and so forth, is catching up with him a bit. He's still, for example, one of those... Centre-backs that can really play the ball uh -huh, out well. Yes, of course. That's but what's the point of being a fucking defender that can play the ball out well if you're in an Allegri system? 
Mm, it's true. Um, on the counter, maybe, but the, the most concerning thing about him is how players just breeze past yes, him. Yes, yes, it's, yes. It's yes, crazy, yes. you know, it's crazy how they breeze past him so easily. Mm-hmm. Um, but this might be a blessing in disguise. This guy's um, the Bremer injury, you know, Gatti might come in and actually um, impress and yeah. um, maybe cement his role at the back. Imagine him and Bremer, that would be a nice partnership. Yeah, agreed. I really like how. There's a few of these Torino players are really good, bro. Like, like Shures at the back has been so lit, man. He scored uh-huh. a goal in the Coppa Italia. He's solid. He's good on the ball, you know, comfortable on the ball. He's solid defensively. He's a bit of a tight and he's, he's quite good. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoy Shures. I particularly enjoy Torino's back three, especially Ricardo Rodriguez, for example, who's really grown into the role of a centre-back in a three-man defence. Yeah, on the left side, it's... it's... Yeah. And he has real captain captainship traits like that I that I enjoy watching on the whenever I watch Torino. Gigi, of course, has also been fantastic. No, the the, the defense isn't mm-hmm. one one of the things that that they would be complaining about. For sure, bro. Um, on the Torino front, Richie had his first start in the Coppa Italia since match day three. He's been out injured. Yeah. So um, he was there. They won 4 0 over Cittadella. That was a very strong win for them. Uh, they looked quite good, to be honest. And Radonio even scored a fantastic goal. Pellegrini found mm. the goal. So maybe that could be the confidence boost that Torino need when it comes to scoring goals. Could very well be, man. You, you won't see them winning 4 0 anytime soon in Serie A. Mm. Um, so the fact that they grabbed one in Coppa could only do good things to their confidence. Yes, two more things I'd like to point out. First of all, the Quadrado man is a little bit washed up nowadays. Like he's he's declined so quickly. Like he was uh-huh. good last season. He was top. Like. Yeah, and all of a sudden now the decline is so visible. Like this was a difficult game for him. He really struggled. You know, I said last season. I'm like one day Quadrado's just gonna dip. Like yeah, I I said it in in season one of the. Of the pod when we're when we're saying how the fuck is Quadrado still good? He's fucking thirty four years old. It's like. true, and it's happened finally. He's just he's just dipped a bit, man, and I don't think he'll ever quite be the same. Mm, I, I noticed that you notice that players are dipping where every kind of half opportunity they have to score, um, they take a shot, even if there's yeah. a better <laughs> position to give a pass elsewhere. Like you see it with Ronaldo nowadays because he wants to keep up those numbers. And yeah. Quadrado's like, yeah, maybe if I score, like yeah. I'll still be the the guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. He's, he gets he gets really <laughs> greedy at times. Well he does, he does, man. He has he has had opportunities to square it and he shoots. It's mm-hmm. quite against Milan yeah, as well. There we go. Um, there's also a thing, bro, amongst the Juve fan phase called the hashtag Duzan face. Okay. Have you heard of it? No. It's basically uh, they they throw this hashtag out. They tweet it when uh, Duzan Vlaovic's face. Looks extremely frustrated and done, and it's tweeted relentlessly during Juve games. Um, <laughs> this time, the 73rd minute, when Juve managed to score, uh, the Duzan face completely changed. Though it has to be said, the, the burst of emotion you can see in his expression, yeah. the, the change. You know, the, it was actually nice to see because mm-hmm. um, he's been so frustrated. His service has been lacking. He went from a team where he was the main man up front and everyone was just serving him the ball, everyone worked for him, to a system where he's pretty much isolated most of the time. So that yeah. must be frustrating. It's really interesting looking at Juve because normally you look at certain teams and you say one thing that they are missing is a standout player. It's a player that can get a goal out of nothing. For Milan, it's Leao. For Inter, it's Lautaro Martinez. Um Thing for Napoli, it's Osim and Guevara. They, they have a bunch of them. Um, thing is with Juve is they have that guy in Vlaovic, but they don't treat him like one. 
true. They treat him like he's any, yeah, like he's Palovsky, like he's any one of those eleven players. It's like he's a number in that true. team. Where's that team should be guy? working for him. That's a good point. They should be totally 100%. working for him the way Lazio work for a mob. Exactly. Right? The team should be built around him. But now it's good for Juve to see that Chiesa and Pogba are back in training. Yes, that's a great sign for them. Um, who knows? They might go on a, an undefeated run like they did towards uh-huh. the stretch of the end of last season. Uh-huh. Um, it's a little bit of a stretch right now. I'm not sure. that It's, it's looking quite bad for them. But um, we'll see if they manage to recover. You've attended to, and it wouldn't surprise me if they somehow start to get their shit together. Yeah, it's tough to think that they won't be within top six, top seven. Right? <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> okay, so let's go. Um, I don't know if you have any other points you want to make. About no, this. that I, I think I think I've got it nailed down. Yeah, it was a very entertaining um, derby. Of course, you can see the the celebrations at the end for you. have meant a lot to them. They regrouped in the middle. You know, they looked like yeah. they were having a bit of a. A moment, you know, of, of motivation. Um, we'll see where this takes them. Juve are currently 8th with 16 points, while Torino are 11th with 11 points. The next game we're going to be covering is Sampdoria nil, Roma 1. Classic. <laughs> Literally the, the classic result for, for Roma. Um, a third consecutive Serie A victory would put Roma clear in fourth place, leapfrogging Lazio and Udinese. So... Although it's a game against Sampdoria, pressure was on for Mourinho's men. Samp were coming off a 1-1 draw away to Bologna. Um, obviously, under new management, we all know that they have uh, Dejan Stankovic now, who faced off against Jose Mourinho. So now mm. Jose Mourinho has faced off against Thiago Motta and Serie and he's also faced mm. off against Stankovic, two of the guys that were pivotal in the in the treble yeah. win in, in 2010. This chapter of Mourinho's biography is going to be called The Reunion. <laughs> 100%. The special reunion. <laughs> um, Roma coming off a 2-1 win against Lecce and they also drew 1-1 in the Europa League against Betis. And everywhere I saw that, every news outlet wrote Roma held Betis. Roma held Betis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Roma were the underdogs there, right? Yeah. Betas are very good and they beat Roma in the last fixture, which is probably why. Now, Paolo Dybala, Celic, Kumbulla, Wijnaldum and Dabro were injured for Roma. Um, rock bottom Sampdoria missed Murillo. Harry Winks and Manuel De Luca having picked up a point on the debut of new coach Dejan Stankovic. Um, here now facing his mentor Jose Mourinho. So for Sampdoria, 4-4-2, Audero on goal with a backline of Augello, Colli, Ferrari and Berezinski. Midfield four of Juricic, Villar, Rincon and Leris with Caputo and Gabbiadini up front. For Roma, it was a 3-4-1-2 with Patricio on goal, Mancini, Smalling and the Banias at the back. Zalewski and El Sharawi on the flanks with Madi Camara. Um, Cristante and Pellegrini in midfield with Bellotti and Abraham up front. Now, Although um, Zaniolo was suspended in the Europa League and he was therefore well-rested for this match, he was still benched in favor of the new double-striker partnership of Bellotti and Abraham up front. So that's interesting to see. Will we see more of that? Yada, yada, yada. Um, it was also interesting to see Kamara in the team. Those, for, those of you who don't know who Madi Kamara is, he's a 25-year-old Guinean professional footballer um, who plays as centre midfield and he's on loan from Olympiacos. I thought it was a ballerina. <laughs> he's 
perhaps more known for his efforts on the defensive end of the pitch, but nonetheless can contribute a lot going forward too. Um, and the statistics back that up as he's had 22 goals and 14 assists in 232 appearances to date. Now, let's get into the game. So the only goal of the game came in the ninth minute for Roma and it was a penalty. Classic. So Alex Ferrari... Ha- Ari- blah, blah, blah. Alex Ferrari's handball denied Tammy's cross and was varred. A penalty was then awarded. And although Audero tracked Pellegrini's penalty, there was no way he'd stop the top, to- the top corner strike. It was Pellegrini's 200th appearance for Roma. A beautiful landmark for him. And good to see him getting a goal over there. There was some controversy on 63 minutes when El Sharawi used his outstretched arm to deflect a cross-heading to Valerio Verre just outside the penalty area. Um, but because it was offside, VAR could not intervene, but the referee missed what should have been a free kick and a yellow card. And then Stankovic was booked for his protests. Shocking, no? He's sure, so yeah, that yeah. kind of manager that's going to get suspended every couple of games like. yeah I, I think that Stankovic that, that type of guy as well that type of manager that many of Sampdoria's goals will come at the beginning of the second half because ah. of the team talk you know what I mean <laughs> it's true and I, I thought that they'd come out a bit stronger than they did in the second half to Sampdoria but Roma have just become such experts at like yeah. killing the game yeah, yeah kill, killing the game without needing the second goal mm-hmm. um, now Sampdoria threatened a little bit in this game but obviously Roma did what Roma do um, Zaniolo came on He missed two chances um, Two very good chances But credit to him for creating the second one He won the ball back um, Dribbled past an opponent However, when he's clean through on goal I noticed that he tends to do this thing Where he doesn't help himself When it comes to positioning himself in front of goal He tends to move into tighter angles mm-hmm. He'd have space to work with um, But he moves on to the right hand side yeah, at the end of the day he's playing it safe but he's not playing it efficiently exactly exactly it's like i'll definitely beat him if i go out wide but then when you get the shot away at that tight angle where the keepers literally got the entire post covered just by standing there and coming off his line a little bit you know what that tough. might be as well mm. that might be i don't want to get my legs close to his mm. i've been injured twice double acl fair enough you know that might have that effect because i remember zaniolo back in the day Fearless. Fearless, completely fearless. Mm-hmm. Now, now, you know, he has a bit of a block. And to be honest, it's wise, man. You don't want to relapse. Fair enough, but he's also young and it sucks, man. Yeah, yeah. Poor yeah, guy. Um, he also then scored, but it was offside. So, yeah, he's... He's, he's still I, very I, active I think as a player. I would love to have a conversation with Zaniolo. I would love to sit down with him and just... All he'll talk about are women, bro. You think so? You yes, think he's a yes. perv-like? For sure. Yes? Yes. Makes you think Zaniolo's a perv. He has man. a porno. What? Yeah, man. Zaniolo has a porn film. Google Z- Zaniolo porno. It's, it's an amateur one from one angle. Like, it's shit. But he has a porn. Like. Did he film it himself or is yeah, someone... It's just on a camera on like a bedside table. Okay. Yeah. Okay. This is interesting. <laughs> you going to check it out? <laughs> Talking midweek episode next week. <laughs> <laughs> Live reaction to Zaniolo's porno. 2.12 Zaniolo's porno. <laughs> Zaniolo's massive coin. <laughs> now, all right, my play-by-play is over, so let's get to the talking points. So the only goal was scored by a penalty. Funnily enough, it was taken by Pellegrini on his 200th appearance. Was that a nice gesture from his teammates, from Mourinho, 
Or is Tammy officially off penalty duty, do you think? Um, Pellegrini has taken penalties before, hasn't he? I think it's just who's in the who's in the on better form, maybe who takes the penalties. Um, Abraham, I think right now, if Abraham shot John Lennon, John Lennon would be eighty-two today. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, bro, Abraham, I don't know what happened to him. He's a shadow of the player he was last year. He's nowhere near. You know as what? Clinical. You know what happened, Data Tammy? I told my barber to take him on Fanta Calcio. <laughs> I told him, take Tammy, bro. He's on penalties. Second full season in Serie A. He's going to do bits under Mourinho with Dybala. Mm. I said, like, oh, for sure, for sure. <laughs> and you took him as well. I did take him, yes. There are um, quite a few penalty takers um, on the Roma side. You know, there's Bellotti, Abraham, Pellegrini. They can all hit a penalty. Yeah. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if whoever's feeling better on the day, they agree amongst themselves, whoever yeah. wants takes them. Yeah. Uh, although Bellotti scares me a bit from the spot. And he scored quite a few for Torino. For he Torino, uh-huh. he's, he's also missed a few for Italy. That's true. He's yeah. also missed a few on, on the big stage. Right? Yeah. Um, Roma with their seventh three points of the season, which is great. But boy, do they get tested against every single opponent they face. Huh? It always mm. seems like they're in trouble at some point. It's true. They get away with three points, but there's always like... Roma fans must age a bit watching them, man. They must <laughs> age a bit. Sure. Some got eight shots away against them. Roma had 60% seven. 60% ball possession for some Madonna, time. Madonna, like, it's oh, just every 90 minutes for a Roma fan must be a little bit scary, yeah. so to say. Definitely. Um, special shout out to The Rock. And I'm not talking about Dwayne The Rock Johnson, but I'm talking about Brian The Rock Cristante. Um, four aerial duels won by him, three tackles. Now, Mourinho's shifted that midfield double pivot mm-hmm. quite a bit. Three-man midfield, two-man midfield, two holding midfielders, one box-to-box, one holding. A regista. He's, he's tried a lot of things. What's the common factor in everything he tries? Cristante. Brian Cristante. Man's mm-hmm. a staple in the team. Yeah, he's the... The favorite of every coach he has mm-hmm. played for. You know, he's the Rade Krunic, the Italian Krunic. Yeah. He's um, the, who was it for United back in the day? O'Shea. O'Shea, who played everywhere, even goalkeeper. O'Shea, yeah. O'Shea, yeah, yeah, <laughs> O'Shea played him. everywhere. He played everywhere. Cristante is kind of that guy. He's Mr. Reliable, no? And mm-hmm. I did like him in this double pivot alongside Kamara, who's way more mobile than Matic. Yeah. I think uh, Matic and Cristante are not uh, mobile enough together, quite frankly. Yeah, I think I think it's, you know, you, you bring on Matic alongside Cristante if you need to fucking hang on and it's the yeah. 85th minute. You know what I mean? I don't, and for the aerial prowess if you, if you need a goal, of course. I also enjoyed hanging out with Cristante at higher secondary doing computing. He's so... Looks like a guy that does physics and computing at higher, like, yeah. and wears trackies every day to school. That's true. He looks very regular. And a purple hoodie, like, drives a golf. He's so yeah. that's that's Brian Cristante yeah. for you, man. 2012, he was really into Top Man. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that Top Man, man. Yeah, man. Um, some seemed motiv- mo- motivated. Some seemed motivated under Stankovic, but obviously tough gig for them to play Roma. Um, they're literally rock bottom, man. <laughs> His first task is to play Roma. But I think as well, some did look a little bit better. They had their team ticking a little bit. What did you make of their performance in this match? Were they allowed to play or did they play? I think it was a combination, to be honest. Roma, don't mind giving up the ball, of course. Um, but we did see a few um, different movements from them this game. Um, they certainly looked quite fluid at times, 
but I do think that this side needs a little bit of tweaking still. Um, there's hardly any mobility in that forward line. Um, they have yeah. Juric on the left, who isn't the fastest, of course. They have Caputo up front. They have Gabbiadini up front. They've got Rincon, Rincon. and Villar in the middle. There is out wide, who's okay. But like this isn't a very fast side. So Stankovic is going to have to see what he, he does. Because, you know, teams can attack Sampdoria and not worry about mm. the counter. Because they're, they're not going to break away. I think you put the best manager in the world with this team and he'll struggle. Genuinely, I think you look at that starting eleven and and each player's traits. You think you put fucking Gasperini there, and he's still gonna have a bit of a mare. Yeah, it's true. There aren't many options. Huh? This is a team whose owner was arrested for fraudulent bankruptcy. Yeah, this of course I'm talking about um, Massimo Ferrero, the fucking playboy. Um, Fun fact about this guy. If you don't know this guy, it's a guy with the white hair and the scarf who always looks coked up when he's on TV. <laughs> um, he was actually at this game, bro. He, was he did some time he's in, not prison. in prison. No, he did some time in prison. And of course, he's out. He probably has too much money to be in prison mm. um, in this day and age. He um, he was at the game. And apparently, stewards really had to scramble in order to prevent uh, problems from, from happening. Because he hadn't stepped foot in the Stadio Luigi Ferraris in over a year, quite frankly. And of course, Jesus. the fans are not... Um, um, happy to have him there. Um, apparently, oh, the started, fans, some fans don't like him. They don't like him, bro. Of course, um, he wasn't investing, you know, in a fraudulent bankruptcy. And yeah, he's off, like um, they were chanting, "You're not getting out of here." To him. Oh we, my yeah, gosh! Really so they're gonna fucking kill him. Yes, like. exactly. And a few chants that um, were quite. Vile, quite really? yes, Give yes, us yes. one. I can't. I, I, I didn't actually hear them, but I'm reading an article right now and it says, amongst other messages that can't be published here. <laughs> yeah, so his mom's a who and a bit of yeah, this and a bit of that. Of that yes. um, uh-huh. I, I, at the end of the day, he's like you said, he, the, the Sampdoria team turned to shit under his watch and he is a criminal <laughs> at the end of the day. He's a corrupt criminal. Um, I don't like him. Is he entertaining? Yes, eh. He's a character, isn't he? He's a character. Um, but but yeah, probably you know fans are screaming for you to leave like that. Then that's a sign. Yeah. So yes, the Sampdoria team, the story, the the arc of the Sampdoria team screams relegation in the near future. It you know? does, and, and it's been saying that from last season. They were very very lucky last season to have a semi decent start to get a couple of points. Um, and that is essentially what ended up keeping them afloat. This time, after 10 games, they have no wins. They have three draws and seven losses, the most alongside Verona. They're on three points, rock, rock, rock bottom. Um, in their last f- six matches, they lost five and drew one. While Roma, fourth place, Champions League, 22 points. They're one ahead of their rivals, Lazio and Udinese, and they're one behind Milan. So... Good start, Good start for, for them, solid. Very good. Especially considering their injuries. Exactly. Well done, Mu. The next game we're going to be covering is Inter 2, Salernitana nil. Inter back to winning ways. Um, last season, Inter won both matches against Salernitana by a 5-0 scoreline. Jesus. So, 10-0 um, on aggregate. <laughs> Fuck. Um, this was they became the first team to win against a single opponent by a four plus margin in two consecutive matches in the same season since themselves inter in 1999 against Lecce. Uh, yeah they they won with a five plus goal margin as well back then 
Um, Inter have gone without a draw in Serie A for the most games among sides in the league this season. The Nerazzurri have not played out a draw in their last 19 games, their longest such streak since the beginning of the 1950s. Jesus. They just don't draw, they win or they lose. That's an exactly. interesting one to remember when we're betting, my friend. Yes. Win or draw doesn't exist. We go for outrights. Exactly. Um, the, Salernitana happened to be the favorite opponents of Martinez, who scored four goals against them in two matches last season, and Zeko, who has been also directly involved in four goals against Salernitana. Mad. Now, let's get into it. Um, the lineups, we have Onana in goal for Inter. That seems to be becoming the norm. Skriniar, Devry, and Acherby at the back with Di Marco and Dumfries on the flanks. Mikitarian and Barella in the middle with Chalanoglu auditioning for the register all this time. <laughs> Zeko and Martinez up front. Um, Lukaku has just recovered from injury and I wonder if we'll be seeing him instead of Zeko in the near future. Probably. Sepe was in goal for Salernitana. Um, Gyomber, Danilovic and Pirola at the back with Kandreva and Matsoki out wide. Kulabali, Vilhena and Costanos in the middle with Dia and Piontek up front. Not mm-hmm. a bad, not a bad Salernitana side. At not all. a bad Salernitana side, struggling with a few injuries from what it seems in their back three. Lovato and Radovanovic, bro. Yes, um, you're absolutely mm-hmm. right. A bit of a defensive crisis for Salernitana over there. So the most interesting thing about the first 10 minutes of this match was Matsoki struggling to get the captain's armband on. Um, <laughs> it just kept coming off for him. He's just fiddling with it every time the camera pans on and he's fixing his armband. So yeah, not what used a to bird having that. How annoying. <laughs> yeah, it must be annoying, right? To wear such a weighty symbol on your mm. arm all the time. It's like having your sock halfway down your foot mm. like, and you're just trying to walk. <laughs> So it was the 14th minute that saw Inter open up the scoring. It was an amazing long-range strike by, by Lautaro Martinez, um, who scored four, of course, against Salernitana last season. As we said, he continued that trend over here. Yeah, Great form. He's currently on doing great things against Barcelona as well. Um, Inter spent the rest of the first half pretty much just testing Sepe. We yeah. had a decent game. I mean, could have done a bit better on this Lautaro goal. But overall, I think made up for it pretty Pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, Salernitana got closest at the start of the second half. Um, they actually forced Onana into a few saves. It felt as though they could do something over there, but it was not the case. Um, Inzaghi's substitutions actually did did the trick, I think, down the line to, to cement this. Um, but before the substitutions actually happened in the 58th minute, a long ball from the regista, Hakan Chalanoglu, a wonderful long ball, mm-hmm. fell to Nicola Barella who took a fantastic first touch to beat his man, another touch to make sure he beat him, and then just smacked it into the goal past Sepe. What a fucking goal. It was an incredible goal. What a goal. Amazing. Um, If you notice this game, bro, um, not a single Inter player got a yellow card. Looks like no one wanted to be substituted. (laughs) Literally. Well, what a... uh I, I mean, we've spoken about this enough in the past just what a quirk like what a what a way they however it is it is a, a good way to discipline your players as well like if they could avoid getting yellow cards it's obviously a, a better thing for the team having better discipline um however and then when the going gets tough and you you know you make a tackle that you need to make and that risks you being substituted in case of the red card then that's where you start losing your common sense to stick to this system that you've created definitely my brother um, this was an impressive win by Inter against a side, which is no means an easy side to play against. Absolutely um, not. They came off 
two games against Barcelona with Sassuolo in the middle. Um, it could have left them exhausted, it could have left them drained, it could have left them complacent, but it didn't. They scored early, they held on, they pretty much dominated overall this game. Yeah. And at no point did we think that they were in any genuine trouble. Nope. Um, Salernitana seemed to struggle to complete certain sequences. Inter set up quite well. I mean, at the end of the day, two brilliant goals over there. Not much Salernitana could do about it. Yeah. I mean, there, there are sequences that probably struggle with a, with a five-man midfield, three central midfielders. And then you've got someone like Lautaro who does drift back a little bit when they're defending. It's very difficult to play the ball around against Inter unless it's in your own half. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's very difficult to to play the ball. And they, they play with quite high press as well. They're a tough side to face. For sure, man. They're, they're definitely not an easy side. Um, Lautaro and Zeko had a field day. They had five attempts each. Um, three of Zeko's were actually on target. It was quite quite a, <laughs> a good match for both of those guys. Yeah, to, to um, be a striker against uh, Salernitana who have two injuries in their back three. Um, must be fun, especially for yeah. someone with a track record like Lautaro. For sure. Did, have you heard the Dumfries story? Depends which one. The one of his uh, first day at Inter on, on the training field. No, so I he had so. his first training session with Inter and apparently Denzel Dumfries is a, a serious man, a very professional who's very serious about his work. He doesn't want to fuck around. He just wants to go out. He wants to impress. He wants to play his football, right? He showed up to the inter-training ground, he had had his bag, you know, he opened up his bag, pulled out his shoes and realized he had packed two left shoes. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's a true story. That's a true story, he told me. He said that his first day, I think there was a bit of a drama and a nightmare (laughs) for for that reason. Imagine how embarrassing. That's the equivalent of like wearing the wrong uniform to work, like, <laughs> going without your bag to school. What's, what's the real that? I have done that. I can just imagine, like, like they're all in the dressing rooms, like getting ready for a training, whatever. You see Dumfries walking in, probably dressed nicely. He, he unzips his bag. They're just here. <sighs> no, 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 no. Fuck. <laughs> what happened, Denzel? <laughs> Was he is he the same guy that that like said wee wee in a in an yeah, interview? He, in yes, not not wee wee. He said something in French, something in though. Spanish. I believe something in Spanish. Yeah, they asked him a question if he's improving his um, his his Italian, and he he replied in French. And <laughs> bandejo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Lukaku is back, so Inter should look more dangerous. But apparently, reports have come out that they are totally surprised by his. Uh, Physical decline. Um, well, by the fact that he's a chungus. Exactly. Now, I'm not sure if they are saying this simply because, you know, they they don't afford to renew him, quite frankly. They don't afford to make They're him trying to bring him. his price down, eh? That could, that <laughs> yeah, could also I, I be reckon. the case, yes. Or if he's actually genuinely phys- physically declined. For me, the Lukaku I saw at the beginning of the season at Inter is not the same Lukaku that was terrorizing the league when Inter won the Scudetto. Yeah, I think his his stint in London could have had a a significantly bad effect on his mental health to the point that I mean he wasn't playing at at Chelsea, probably wasn't the hardest trainer when he was unhappy and trying to find a way out in this first opening matches for Chelsea. Um when people struggle mentally, perhaps they neglect certain cardio, perhaps they 
overeat a little bit, so on and so forth. Then he went back to winter. He's finally happy, got off the mark early. Um, I believe he scored on his debut as well against Lecce. It was yeah. insane. Um, and then he got injured again. And obviously when you're injured, you don't move around much. And he just keeps on putting on this mass. That doesn't help him. It doesn't help Definitely him at all. Not, it, yes. Um, you made a good point there, bro. Happy body, happy mind, Romelu Lukaku. Remember that, my friend. Exactly, man. No, I wish, wish him well. Like now that now that Milan don't have Romagnoli, I'm willing to have an on-form Lukaku yeah. <laughs> as, as long as he's happy. Yes. Um, Inter are currently in seventh place with 18 points, while Salernitana are in 12th place. With 10 points. Ooh, the battle for the conference league. These two <laughs> the next game we're going to be covering is Lecce 1, Fiorentina 1. So Lecce were coming off a 2-1 loss against Roma. Whilst Fiorentina were coming off a 4-0 home loss against Lazio. But also coming off a midweek 5-1 win against Hearts. I can't. Put my mind around this Fiorentina team. So Fiorentina lost two on the bounce in Serie A and sat only two points above Lecce going in the st- going into the Stadio Via del Mare. So yeah, that's who Fiorentina are competing with this time round. So Sofiane Amrabat was suspended with Ricardo Sotil and Gaetano Castrovilli injured while the hosts had Martin Hulmand sitting out a ban so for Lecce it was a 4-3-3 with Falcone between the sticks Gallo, Umtiti, Fak, Pongracic and Baschirotto playing um, in the midfield it was Gonzalez, Blin and Askelson with Banda, Cisse and Streffezza completing the front line for Fiorentina it was their 4-4-1-1 with Terracian on goal Dodo, Martinez, Igor and Biragi forming the back line. Um, Gonzalez played out on the right with Kwame on the left. Mandragora, Barak and Bonaventura in midfield with Jovic up front. Now for the play by play. Luka Jovic was forced off the field in just over six minutes. Um, fucking pussy. Fiorentina had the ball in the net on 38 minutes when Falcone punched Giacomo Bonaventura's cross it bounced off Federico Baschirotto's head and fell kindly for Arthur Cabral whose header from close range went into the back of the net but it was disallowed by VAR due to Bonaventura's earlier offside so chaos to start things off um, instead Lecce took the lead moments later um, Juan Gonzalez robbed Dodo at the corner flag and pulled back from the byline for Cissé to get in front of Martinez Quarta and tap the ball in from six yards. 1-0, Lecce ahead. Um, Cabral scored again a few seconds later, but that goal didn't count either, as the ball had gone out of play before Antonin Barak managed to pull it back. So two disallowed goals mm-hmm. for Cabral, the second that he gets an opportunity to disallowed goals. Fiorentina did equalize at the dawn of the second half. Nico Gonzalez knocking down a long ball. Cabral dinking it over the top from the edge of the area. And Kwame getting there before Baschirotto to head in off the upright. Beautiful headed goal um, by Kwame. 
Otherwise, later on, Fiorentina did kind of manage to get into the game a little bit more than before. Lecce kind of dominated the first half. Strefezza was unbelievable. And in the second half, Fiorentina started looking like favourites over there. So much so that Gallo um, managed to get two yellow cards in two minutes out of sheer frustration. Um, the second yellow card being for a rugby tackle on Jonathan Ekone. So it was really entertaining seeing hmm. those <laughs> two yellow cards in two minutes like always causes such controversy um, but the game ended 1-1 Lecce Fiorentina um, Cisse had two great headed opportunities um, with the ball played just a millimeter too ahead of him on both occasions they have gotten there they've gotten there well he has the height for it he has the the lengthy body for it to use FIFA terms hmm. um, but he just gets there a tenth of a second too late. So the ball would go wide. Um, if Lecce managed to perfect that, they will have a serious weapon to their arsenal. For sure. With Strefezza playing those balls. And, and Banda on the other side. Bro. And Banda on the other side. Strefezza, by the way, for a five foot six man, incredibly strong. Yes. Incredibly so. Good he was, center of gravity. He was outmuscled. He outmuscled Igor at a point. And mm-hmm. Igor's a fucking dog, bro. Yeah, he's a tank. Igor's a dog. And Strefetsa's just there, like pushing him away with his fucking ass. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> he has that hazard physique. <laughs> that fucking that bottom heavy <laughs> pair shirt. <laughs> ever saw, uh, there's, there's a video of a cartoon bouncing the ball on the ground with his ass <laughs> as like Hazard at his Real Madrid presentation. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. That's Strefezza basically in Serie A this season. Mm, literally. Um, but yeah, Lecce were incredible in this match. They, they did look like the better team for the first half. Um, until Fiorentina started like panicking in the 70th minute. And one thing about Fiorentina that we can't fault them for is that they have players to bring on in the offensive part of the pitch to make a difference. So 70th minute onwards, Fiorentina are going to give you a tough time, mm-hmm. no matter what. It's just the fact that unless they're panicking, they cannot patiently build the ball up from the back. It's true. They signed Barak to sort out the fact that they lack creativity. Hasn't really brought it, has he, man? I mean, there's still an adaptation period, no? But I think it was a smart buy from them. Um, I think the problem, once again, remains in the striking department, mm. uh, to be honest. You know, Jovic went out injured this game. It's going terribly for him. Every single week, it gets worse for him, for Jovic. Mm-hmm. Every week, it gets worse. Cabral came on. He had a good moment. He got an assist this game. Yeah. So, um, you and, know, and two offside goals. Yeah. Hopefully, he can start getting... His shit together too. Um, I've been super impressed by Kwame though. For me, he's the standout performer for Fiorentina this season by a landslide. Very highly improved. He started slow, mm-hmm. man. Mm-hmm. And he vanished last year. I didn't see him at all. I completely That's forgot true. he was a player. I remember That's him true. with his Genoa days two seasons ago, I think, three seasons mm-hmm. ago, his breakout season. But uh, then he had an injury and he disappeared. Yeah. Um, signed by Fiorentina, everyone forgot under the radar completely, and he's back and he's putting in these crazy performances, playing as a striker or out wide. Yeah, and and, and you know you think when you look at the players they have up front and out wide, you wouldn't think that they need a player like Kwame who could play both roles well mm-hmm. because they have enough to choose from. But Kwame is looking to be that guy that they look for when they need something. 
Um, and the fact he's starting, he's starting games now. It's good to see Nico starting some games. Well, Nico's the kind of motherfucker that will grow into it. Yeah. He'll get the rhythm. He's a he's an animal. He's a fighter. Nico Gonzalez is a guarantee for the second part of the season. Mm-hmm. He'll start knocking them in. 100%. Um, but otherwise, man, Fiorentina have looked incredibly mid-tier this season. That's the best way to put it. They look like a team that will come... 10th to 12th, like. Yes, um, there isn't a big difference between Fiorentina and Torino, for example, yeah, right now. Yeah, exactly. Know I, mean? Um, I mean, Fiorentina, 10 points, 13th in the table. Level on points with Monza and Salernitana. Salernitana and, like, and Monza, exactly. There we go. Like, mm-hmm. um, they haven't been impressive at all. Yeah. And and what kind of... Because Eight goals scored. Yeah. Game. It's awful. Salernitana have scored 12, certain times. No, it's fine. We keep on saying that it's the creativity, it's the strikers, but notice how in any part of the field, Fiorentina never come out on top. Whether it's in a defensive situation, a midfield situation, attacking situation, they're always second to the ball. They just simply don't look convincing anywhere. I would not put a cent on Fiorentina to earn points this season. It could have gone the complete... Like like their moves on the market were... We're fine, man. Bringing in Jovic and Barak, that, that's decent. It's Maybe who a they lost, man. With a fair, Dodo was a good signing as well. Yeah. Um, granted, yes, it's who they lost, but you wouldn't expect them to do worse than no. last season. You'd expect them to do fucking better, bro. They're, they're a or better the same. team on paper, exactly. Mm-hmm. Or, the, or thing the, is same. The, the competition, I think, has continued to improve. Um, and them competing on three fronts has actually proven to be a burden for them. The the Conference League is something that they're not doing particularly well in, first of all. Mm-hmm. And they're finding it hard to find a balance with their players. Yeah. And and it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Italiano because he is the kind of manager that you should give the benefit of the doubt to and give time to. But when you set your bar so high in the opening season then you better be prepared to back it up in the second one, man. And you have to do whatever it takes to get something out of these guys. You set the bar too high, brother. And and that might be that might be your downfall with Fiorentina. Um, otherwise, Lecce, much like Cremonese, they look good in every game, but they normally fail to get points. Um, this was a case where Lecce were capable of getting points, and some might argue that they could have even killed the game earlier on in the mm. first half, especially with one of those CSA strikes. Um, but yes, to move on to the table, Fiorentina are in 13th. They're on 10 points, as we've already mentioned. 10 points in 10 matches is shit. Um, Lecce in 16th on 8 points. They're 3 points from the drop. The drop, obviously, which includes Verona, Cremonese and Samp. The next game we're going to be talking about is technically on paper a relegation six-pointer. That's whether you consider Monza to be relegation candidates or not. But I think it would be fair to call it that. Yeah. Um, Empoli won Monza nil. Now, these guys met in Seyebe in 2020-2021. And they drew both their league matches. Uh, Monza's last win against the Tuscans was back on the 19th September 1999. What? It was a 1-0 victory in Seyebe. Yes. Jesus. I I thought they would have played each other more in Serie B in recent history. That's super interesting. Yeah. Um, Gianluca Caprari, brother, has scored three goals in six Serie matches against Empoli. And prior to this game, of course. Uh Um, Three of his last four goals came away from home, including his only goal in the 2022-2023 season against Sampdoria. Yes. um, Let's just get into it. 
In goal for Empoli, there was Vicario, the ever impressive Vicario. 100%. With Parisi out wide and Stojanovic on the right, Luperto and De Winter at the back. Bandinelli, Henderson and Huss were the midfield three, with Baldanzi between them and um, Destro and Satriano up front. Mm -hmm. Di Gregorio was in goal for Monza, with uh, Santos, Mari and Caldirola at the back. Churia and Augusto were out wide, with Rovella and Sensi in the middle. Pessina and Caprari were flanking Gitkir. I just have to say, because coming into this, I was prepared to talk a bit about Gitkir and how I like his activity mm. in Monza's team, particularly after seeing the way how, how static Petania is. Mm. But Petania just got a goal midweek, so it's going to be interesting seeing him slotting yeah, back into the team. what a goal it was in the Coppa Italia. Of course, Monza actually beat Udinese 3-2 to help yeah. them out of the Coppa Italia. Petania came on and looked so much slimmer, so much more mobile. It's true, so man. So effective, man. It's true. The goal he scored was a thing of beauty. Yeah, the technique he displayed there to beat the, to get around the players. And even he had a few moments where he forced a shot from a tight angle, like from a split second opening. He looks really sharp and I think he can get a couple of goals and like imagine him in this team. Yeah. You know, Let, Ravel and Sensi in midfield, Pessina and Caprari. Uh -huh. Let, and let's see if it was obviously the, this performance against Odinese or, or if it's going to be something that's going to yeah. come with consistency. This is a guy who was training technically at the highest level with Napoli. Last with, with Napoli, he was with Atalanta, yes. he was with Milan. Even when he was at Spal, he was at the height of his career. He's had a super career. Um, obviously, at Napoli... Third fiddle, essentially, second, mm -hmm. no, second fiddle. Well, at there times, was Mertens as well. He was he only stayed because he scored an important goal in Spalletti. Was like, you're not going You're anywhere. fucking yeah. staying. You're like, okay. Passion. There, there was a massive miss to open up this game <laughs> by Satriano, who was played in super well by Luperto. It was similar to the Chalanoglu assist on Barella through ball like that. Satriano had time, and I think he just overthought it. He was there, he was like, what am I? Everyone's watching. <laughs> so should I take another touch? Oh shit! I touched it again. I think I had to shoot, and then boom, squares and like just shoots it into the goalkeeper. Like wow. terrible finish, terrible, terrible, terrible. But it was a great save by Di Gregorio. On the other hand, you yeah, know, I can't take anything away from the goalkeeper. Yeah, it's yeah. a one-on-one. Good save. Exactly. In the eleventh minute, though, uh, Di Gregorio could not keep out Haas's shot. He pulled off an amazing save on an Empoli header. The ball was deflected goalwards once again, and Di Gregorio pulls off an insane reflex save. This guy's a cat, bro. <laughs> um, but there, of course, the third attempt, it was Nicolas Haas, and he managed to score this time. Yeah. How can you not love watching Empoli? How can you not root for them? Just as Sassuolo have their epic song whenever they mm. score, you know, I get knocked mm. down. And Celavi yeah. for Fiorentina. For Fiorentina, exactly. Empoli have this gem every single time they score. What do they have? Here's Destro! No. It, it, it sounds like. They asked a bunch of Italian, Italian kids studying English as a foreign language in Malta to pick their song. Like, yeah. <laughs> and they just all chose that. They were one. like, "This was the one that they played in Bar Native." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so yes, um, that was entertaining. Monza's best chance in the first half came through a Gitkir free kick, which went wide. So that tells you a lot about how Monza played in the first half. Mm. Um, Carlos Augusto started off the second half with a long-range strike, which also went just wide, but was quite close. 
Um, Empoli missed a great opportunity where they had a numerical advantage. There was a one-two with Satriano. It was blocked off the line by the Monza centre-back. Um, Vicario had a great save on a spilled ball at the far post on Gitgear. It was quite action-packed, to be honest. Um, at the end of the game, there was a fight that broke out, which saw Nicolò Ravella getting sent off. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Empoli managed to hang on, uh, despite maybe com- going too hard for the draw, if you like, towards the end, uh, for the to secure the victory. Uh-huh, sorry. Uh-huh. Like they risked getting another 1-1, you know what it's I mean? True. It's true. But they, they won and that's going to give them they, they a would massive... have been They would have been dying for a win. Yes. It's not easy for, for Empoli to get a win, man. It's true nowadays. Um, but yes... Fucking win and a great result, dude, for them. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to start doing this thing on the podcast for every really good performance that Vicario has because I've exhausted the listeners mm-hmm. yes, talking amazing, to Vicario. Yeah. I was talking about Vicario because I do it every week, literally. So just every time Vicario has a good performance, all I'm going to do is give him a kiss. <laughs> I'm just going to give him a kiss. You don't need to hear me saying how good he is and how Empoli would be a different team without him. I'm just going to give him a kiss. Like, you, you'll know what's up. For any new <laughs> listeners, adapt. Yes. <laughs> and we're not going to address it, huh? You're, you're... No, I'm just going to... I'm going to be like, fucking right, bro. Fucking right. <laughs> it was a, a cagey affair, of course, bro. Lots of attempts. Two brilliant goalkeepers on display over here. Um, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Used it well. Thank you very much. Uh, Di Gregorio, bro, showing why he has benched Cranio. This guy, bro. Wow. Jesus Christ. What a player. Um, Empoli build out of the back brilliantly, right? Uh-huh. But they they risk a lot, and, and sometimes when I'm watching, it, I'm like, Madonna! You know? <laughs> it's like, it's like bro, those kind pass. of slow passes yes, past dude. the oncoming midfielder, like. just to play it out of the back, like they play it to the register, like, and you see the Let's players see. just rushing him, pressing you, like, oh my god, he's gonna lose it. <laughs> but yes, they they do well to play out of those situations, perhaps risking it a little bit too much. And they do well to get into offensive situations as well. Um, I think that Destra at times can be a little bit too selfish. Mm-hmm. As always, these strikers that believe that they're a bit bigger than their teams, like good luck getting them to pass. And exactly. that takes that counts Origi as well. Origi, I think, yeah. thinks he's something, right? No, the Origi came in with, ah, Milan won't because I have Champions League experience. <laughs> exactly. None of these guys do. <laughs> <laughs> I scored in the final and I scored mm. against Barca. He's honestly, yes, whatever. Um, <laughs> Destro is too selfish, and Satriano, bro, um, in my opinion, needs to believe a in bit, himself a, more. Uh-huh. He's uh, lacking confidence, and it's weird because he scored. I, so, I so find it yeah. weird. Um, yes, he scored great, like, um, as in he has scored. But my thing with Satriano is I'm not quite sure what he's good at. I mean, he's a budget Raspadori, my friend. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's. I, I mean, can't put my finger on he's it. He's an opportunistic striker who can get. He can drive kind of well as well, uh-huh. and he can create opportunities with like a touch and shoot. You know what I mean? Kind of uh-huh. that type of striker doesn't have physicality in his arsenal. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, I haven't really seen much from Satriano okay. to to kind of impress me. But I also know that since he was in Bear as well, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have seen much of him, obviously. And Inter fans um, do rate him quite highly. Mm. From what I from what I've heard, and they obviously have have high standards. But yes, this result sees my God, Empoli <laughs> in, in tenth, 
And Monza in 14th with 10 points. Um, Empoli, of course, have 11 points. Excuse that brain lag. <laughs> it's okay, brother. We all forgive you. The final game we're going to be covering is what was one of the best games this weekend. So, I really, you mentioned ah, maybe Empoli Monza's relegation six pointer. This, my friend, is relegation six pointer by definition. Spezia 2. Cremonese too. Um, the visitors still looking for their first win in Serie A. So, and against Spezia, it's something they probably would have fucking died for. And mm. obviously that showed to their performance, they were very persistent. Cremonese had Radu and Kirikes out injured. So, exciting stuff. Italy under 21 international, Marco Carnesecchi. Got the Serie A debut in goal. Someone we're talking Finally. about a lot in the build-up to this season of, of Serie A. Um, wondering if he would get a, a place in goal for one of the top 20 teams. Um, he hasn't exactly, but he's there. He was benched by Radu, okay, but he got his opportunity. He's still very young. Huh? Very, very young, very young. Um, Spezia were feeling the pressure too, missing Simone, Bastoni, Kovalenko and Reka. Um, but at least for them, Christov returned from injury. Um, Spezia lined up with a 4-3-3 formation, Dragovski in goal, Nicolao, Caldara, Ampadu and Amian forming the back line. Agudelo, Kiwior and Burabia in the midfield with Jassi and Hon flanking in Zola. For Cremonese, 4-2-3-1, uh, Karnesecki in goal with Sir Nicola, Bianchetti, um, Lashoskvili and Valeria at the back um, Meita and Castignetti in the midfield with Zanemakia, Pickle and Okereka ahead of them with Dessers up front So, it only took two minutes for Cremonese to open the scoring through Cyril Dessers It was a corner that wasn't cleared um, effectively Lashoskvili was given too much time and space at the near post to squirm the finish under the goalkeeper and Cyril Dessers made sure um, practically on the line <laughs> The goal could have essentially gone to Lashoskvili But it was travelling way too slowly for Dessers to take any risk So he was there making sure For his teammate, what a nice guy <laughs> um, Spezia equalised when Paolo Bianchetti's weak clearance fell straight to Inzola To smash into the roof of the net from the edge of the area Always good to see Inzola on target um, And just a couple of minutes later Kiwior's corner kick into the box Prompted a scramble with home prodding it into the back of the net through a sea of legs, essentially. <laughs> In the second half, Cremonese equalized after the restart when Leonardo Se Nicola whipped a cross from the right onto the head of Pickle at the back stick. Pickle headed in, no problem whatsoever. Charles Pickle. Charles Mother. I've Honestly, also heard. What a name. I've heard commentators calling him Pickel. Pickel? <laughs> no, I refuse. I. <laughs> Pickel is cool, yeah. but it's kind of like what? But like Mikel with a P? Yeah, like Gerard Piquet with an L? Nah, that's weird. Like yeah. Charles Pickel, <laughs> there we go. Charles, Charles Pickel, look at Pickel. I'm telling you, we should make a, an 11 of the, the funniest names. Ooh, Charles Pickel and Kevin Lasagna are in there for sure. 100%. Okay, 100%. Aqua Fresca. <laughs> yeah, Aqua Fresca is a classic. Huh? It is a classic. Um, there was a huge save by Karnesecki. Now, there were a couple of good saves, even, even from Dragovski. But on the topic of Karnesecki, I had to point out that he did have quite a decent match. 
Um, there was a square ball which found Maldini that should have been an empty goal for Maldini. It was a sweaty pass, yes, so sir. to say. Um, We've just lost listeners. <laughs> Karnaseki was there. He was there. He didn't need to pull anything spectacular out, but his positioning was perfect. He stopped what should have been a, an empty goal for Maldini. So that, my friend, is the move of an experienced goalkeeper. And he's a very young goalkeeper. So there yes, you sir. go. Now, like I said, by definition, this is a true relegation dogfight. Both teams not giving a fuck, just wanting to score, attacking each other's throats. And you could see that with uh, 15 attempts for Spezia, 24 for Cremonese with only four on target. How Cremonese is that? Huh? Yeah, that's that's them just trying, but not quite being good enough for them. Yeah. Yeah, and it was a good opportunity for them to get their first win. Um, they didn't manage. Do you think they would have deserved a win over here? I think they deserved one, to be honest with you. Um, they created so many chances and they just couldn't make the most of them. You know what I mean? They managed to get a goal early on. Perhaps they could have um, played it a little bit safer to avoid that Nzola yeah. situation that came um Shortly after, they did well to get back into the game. However, going down to Spezia is not always an easy thing to recover from. They parked the bus pretty yeah. damn well. Yeah, um, definitely. But yeah, um, basically that's it. Um, I think that this, at the end of the day, was a bit of a lucky result for Spezia. Uh-huh. It, I wouldn't go so far to say lucky um, because they too had had their chances. Um, it's interesting seeing, just like looking at the timeline of, of the event. So the early goal for Cremonese, um, and when your team goes down by two minutes, you'd never expect that by the 22nd you're one ahead of them already. So really good reaction by Spezia. That's impressive. Mm-hmm. Having in the 19th and then the 22nd, you're 2-1 up. You were losing 1-0 yeah. in the and second And that's also minute. Cremonese not recovering from the goal. Huh? That's true. That's true. Yes. And then 52nd minute, the fact that now after the 22nd minute, they were down and it took until the 52nd, all that time later, they managed to get a goal. And then they also, they keep fighting and fighting, looking for that third and they just can't it, get it. I think it was a good team talk as well. I mean, getting a goal in the 52nd is literally an inspired goal. Exactly. Um, too bad that that didn't continue until the 90th because then there were just, the game was interrupted by many substitutions many yellow cards you know the, the classic yeah yeah do you think Spezia are relegation candidates yes. i mean they are eh? yes 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 they are okay Spezia are in 15th on nine points cremonese in 19th on four guys if you've made it this far thank you very much um make sure to follow us at say spotlight on tiktok twitter instagram um, yeah we love you Thank you for listening and see you next week.